Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Fricky, and welcome to the second episode of Movie Changeup, where we pitch reboots to nine movies we love and love to hate, but with a little added twist. If you watched or listened to last week's episode, you'll recognize today's competitors. Our first competitor is the person who lost to me last week and is probably looking for redemption. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you're feeling after last week's loss? Uh, my name is Johnny Dupe. Uh, again, yeah, I, I competed with Joe last week, but I'm looking for revenge this week against the man who chose the wrong victor. So I face uh, face Bobby this week. All right. And our second competitor is last week's judge, who is competing for the first time. Why don't you introduce yourself and and uh, tell me how you're feeling going against your brother, who has a little bit of experience in this arena. Uh, I'm Bobby, and yeah, I uh, I judged last week's episode uh, unfavorably to my competitor today, Johnny. Um, it's definitely interesting doing this for the first time. Um, I think I had some good ideas, but Johnny has a couple of weeks, weeks of experience, so we'll see how it goes. All right, and uh, how this works, Johnny and Bobby are going to go head-to-head pitching nine re- movie reboots from a pre-selected list of movies. However, there are also nine rules they have to apply to their reboots. One rule per movie, and they can't use a rule more than once. The first of five points wins, and our nine movies today are 1997's Anaconda, 2005's Fantastic Four, 1990's Home Alone, 1996's Independence Day, 1975's Jaws, 1995's Mortal Kombat, 1987's The Princess Bride, 2008's Speed Racer, and 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Now, the nine rules they must follow. They must resurrect a director's career for one movie. One movie has to have the same cast as a television sitcom. One movie must be set before 1900. James Bond must appear in a movie. You must tell one movie from the villain's perspective. You must cast a comedic actor in their first serious role. For one movie, you must take the original cast and put them in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. One movie must include the same cast as the original, but you must replace their characters with a character they played in another movie. And one movie has to have an actor, one actor, playing every role. Now, before we start today's competition, if you're listening to us through a podcast app, go to YouTube. Find this episode of Movie Change Up. Give us a thumbs up, a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, go to your favorite podcast app, download this episode, and give us a rating and review. If you think we're giving you a five-star podcast, give us a five-star review. If we think we gave you a four, three, two, or even a one-star podcast, be a bro and still give us that five-star review. Now, to determine who starts. Bobby, I have a DVD in my hand. Does the movie of this DVD have Joe Pesci or Robert De Niro in it? I'm going to go with Joe Pesci. You're correct. It is my cousin Vinny. The copy of Home Alone. I picked him because he's in one of the movies we were doing. So So I just know Joe loves my cousin Vinny. So I thought it would be. I I do love love my cousin Vinny, and I own that too. So, uh, Bobby, you get to choose what movie we're doing and who goes first or second. Um, so I'm going to do one of my more interesting picks. Uh, I'm going to do Fantastic Four from 2005, and I'm going to let Johnny go first. All right. So before Johnny starts, I'm going to give the listeners a little background on Fantastic Four. It's a 2005 movie that got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty fair, maybe even a little high. And here's how IMDb reviewer Nick Reganis describes the movie. 
Yearning to study the massive clouds of cosmic energy in the vast space, the brilliant physicist Dr. Reed Richards enlists the help of his millionaire classmate, Dr. Victor Von Doom. Instead, the unfathomable, unfathomable energy source affects Reed, turning him into elastic Mr. Fantastic. Victor's assistant, Sue Storm, becomes the invisible woman. Her hot-blooded younger brother, Johnny, is now the flaming human torch. And lastly, pilot Ben Grimm transforms into the temperamental mass of rocks and muscles known as the Thing. But from the black void of space, humankind's archenemy, Dr. Doom, arrives. So, Johnny, what is your pitch for Fantastic Four? All right. So, I was looking through my rules... And I have an idea of some people I'd love the MCU to cast as the Fantastic Four. And my number one choice for Mr. Fantastic is Glenn Howerton, who plays uh, Dennis in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So what I did with the Fantastic Four is I cast the entire cast of the sitcom It's Always Sunny as my roles of the Fantastic Four and Victor Von Doom. So my Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic is Glenn Howerton. My Sue Storm is Caitlin Olson, who plays D on the show. My Johnny Storm is Ron McElhenney, or Rob McElhenney, who plays Mac. Um, my Ben Grimm slash The Thing is Danny DeVito. And my Dr. Doom is Charlie Day. My director I chose is a director I'd also love to actually make the Fantastic Four movie, whether it was MCU or not, um, that's Travis Knight, who uh, directed Bumblebee and has some fun tone and can do can do kind of heartfelt action. Um, so Joe, Joe explained the plot of the original Fantastic Four. I stuck by a lot of that, but I made a, made a few changes. So my some of my biggest changes of the plot, first of all, Victor Von Doom is not just a millionaire classmate of Reed Richards. He's going to have his real origin story where uh, – he was born in Latveria. It was taken over by a baron and he, you know, is kind of exiled. So we're going to go with that. He's exiled, but then he's brought to America uh, to come to school because he's a genius. Um, but he also has a background in sorcery because he finds like a tribe uh, after he gets, you know, exiled. Um, ben Grimm is going to be a former professor at the university uh, that the that Reed Richards and Sue Storm and um, Von Doom are at. So that's Danny DeVito uh, as Ben Grimm. So in my movie, Von Doom got, he uh, formally got Ben Grimm fired from being a professor. So to get revenge, Ben Grimm goes in and sabotages one of Von Doom's machines that he's researching. So when Von Doom goes to use it, uh, it explodes and his face is horribly burnt. Um, and then cut to, so Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm go into space uh, for a test of Reed Richards' new equipment and to research cosmic energy. They run into a cosmic storm and crash down to Earth, and they realize they have superpowers. Um, ben Grimm has been horribly deformed into the thing. He's going to be more like the CGI uh, the thing, so he will still be like the big rock creature, but he's going to have Danny DeVito's voice. Um, and then Dr. Doom discovers his machine is tampered with, blames uh, Ben Grimm and goes after the Fantastic Four. So then you have, that's why he's going after him. You get rid of kind of the weird love story between Sue Storm and Victor Von Doom. I didn't like that in the original one. So I took that out and I made it more like the comics where Ben Grimm feels that it's his responsibility, you know, that it's his reasoning because in the comics he tampers with 
uh, Victor Von Doom's experiment. So that's what basically turns him into like a supervillain. So I want to kind of introduce that as well. And that's his motivation for attacking the Fantastic Four. So that's my, that's my movie. All right, Bobby, what's your pitch? All right. So uh, I did something a little different. I actually did consider that rule for this one, but so mine is a remake of the Fantastic Four 2005 because it stars the same cast but they're going to be playing their roles from other movies. So what this movie is going to be for my Fantastic Four is essentially a Marvel what-if story. So Marvel is doing that on Disney+. Plus. They're going to have these what-if, you know, Captain America didn't get the powers and someone else did type of stuff. This is going to be in a parallel universe because of the um, all the time travel involved in the Endgame. So it is still the MCU. It's just a different universe. So in this movie... Chris Evans is still Captain America. Um, Jessica Elba is going to be Nancy Callahan from the movie Sin City. So she was a stripper in that movie. Um, and in this movie, she's going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who also strips on the side still. Um, <laughs> Ian Grufford, who is um, Mr. Fantastic, is going to be Lancelot from 2004's King Arthur, who was frozen in time like Captain America and discovered by S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Michael Chiklis is going to be, uh, and I talked to Johnny about this from the show, The Shield, Detective Vic McKay, um, cause that's his big famous role and that would fit, uh, for his character as the thing. Uh, Julian McMahon, Dr. Doom is going to be vice president Robert Stanton from the movie Red, who is the, he's a corrupt vice president who orders assassinations, um, and has massacred villages. Um, and then my director for this movie, I did what Marvel does with a lot of movies and pull an indie director. And I got Max Barbacow, who just did the movie Palm Springs. And so my movie is a, is a remake because it does have a lot of the same, like, you know, ideas, but it's the same cast. And it's Marvel kind of going with their inner Deadpool and being kind of meta because they're allowed, they're allowing themselves to do it. Kind of like DC has their one-off movies. Marvel can do it, but also say it's connected because of the parallel universes. So basically, Captain America is working with S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and the, the vice president is funding an experiment with scientists in S.H.I.E.L.D. to investigate, you know, the uh, space and different dimensions and all that, kind of what leads to the, to the experiment, the problem. Um, and so this takes place before Winter Soldier happens in this universe. So S.H.I.E.L.D. still exists. Um, and it's still being run by Hydra. And this kind of replaces Winter Soldier. So this is the movie where we find out, Captain America finds out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is being taken over by Hydra. So we have kind of that through line to the MCU, just a different way that it happened. Um, so they all go up in this experiment because uh, the scientists want to send experienced veterans in combat just in case they don't know, you know what they're going to find. Because they think they might be finding alternate universes, maybe alien creatures up in space. So they send Captain America, and he leads a team with Nancy Callahan, um, with the resurrected or unfrozen Lancelot that they have found that's been working with them, um, Detective Vic McKay, who is hired to do security for S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and then Julian McMahon, the Vice President Robert Stanton, says that he wants to go investigate, and he forces himself to go with them. So it's kind of still that same plot that they're all together, the accident happens, uh, he gets, you know, Dr. Doom gets his face burnt in the experiment, they all get their powers. So Captain America now has all the powers of Human Torch. Nancy Callahan now, who is already used to stripping, is now uh, now has powers of invisibility. 
and so on and so forth. Very similar, but this is more of a story of corruption with the government, kind of in the same vein as Winter Soldier as far as that theme, but it's played out very differently. Uh, the vice president wants to take over and become a dictator, kind of like Dr. Doom is in the comics. Um, and it's just, it's an MCU movie. It's very um, quippy. It's played out the same way. Uh, at the end of the movie, they get the choice to go up into space and get rid of their powers. The scientists have found a way to do it. Uh, and some of them decide to go, one of them being Captain America. They also force Dr. Doom to go so they can arrest him after he becomes human. Um, and it's revealed in a, in a tag in the post credits in the, when they see the parallel universe open up, you see the, a cast of the actual fantastic four that's going to be the, in the MCU. So it's going to be a movie that reveals the real and the real fantastic four, uh, that it, that's going to come in a couple of years or whatever it is. So they're going to kind of have a little tag, but a fun movie because Marvel doesn't do any of these one-offs. So this gets them, it gives them a chance to kind of experiment and go crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's my pitch. All right, so I have a question for each of you, Johnny. Your movie, it, you put, you used sitcom actors, a lot of funny people, mm-hmm. but your movie didn't sound like a comedy. Is it supposed to be a comedy, or is it supposed it's, to be more serious? Because it sounded more serious. It's it's more serious in terms of like it's not a straight up comedy because while I do have the actors of a sitcom, they're definitely playing characters a lot different than it's always sunny. So I use that cast, but it's, it's a more serious movie. It would be the tone of like an MCU with quips, but I, that's why uh, director is Travis Knight. So it's really like kind of similar to the tone of Bumblebee. It's still a fun action movie, but it does have some darker elements uh, than like that story, but it's definitely not a straight up comedy. All right. And uh, Bobby, you're the fantastic four is known as the first family of Marvel or of comics, but I didn't get like the whole family vibe. It just kind of felt like they're four people flung together. Like how, what's the family vibe in your movie? So basically what I kind of missed is in my initial pitch is that um, I was going to have them show that they are going on a lot of missions with shield for a long time in the beginning of the movie and kind of become the public kind of looks at them as this big, uh, you know, family or group of people that like kind of replacing the Avengers for a short amount of time mm-hmm. because they're everyone else is all busy. So they, they, it's more just a family bond. Like they're bonded okay. because they're through going through all this and they had the, the shared experience. Um, but yeah, this is definitely more of a movie of what if these guys got the fantastic Four's powers and not necessarily. So, so my question is who gets what power in yours? Cause it seems like captain America is the leader, but, it's the same actor who did Human Torch. So is he going to become Mr. Fantastic Captain America, or is he going to be Human Torch Captain? America? No, he's he's Human Torch. So it so Captain America, and and really once they get together, be it's it's more of an ensemble. But because Ian Grufford's character is Lancelot, and as is an experienced knight and fighter, and has been working with Shield, he gets put in charge of this team because Captain America's already kind of runs the Avengers. So he's not going to be running both these teams. So he goes along in the missions, but uh, Lancelot kind of leads the group, at least as far as is in charge and like his communication with shield and all that. But he, so they're all, they're going to be the same characters that they played in the original movie. So they, yeah, like power wise, but okay. And then my other thing is, I'd say maybe the worst part of the Fantastic Four movie 
is the over-sexualization of Jessica Alba as the invisible woman, and you turned her into a stripper. Well, so you are I, doing the same exact thing, if not worse, because this you're, you're going to have you're going to have to have a scene where she's like stripping to show that she does that yeah. on her spare time. Well, that's why this is going into their inner Deadpool. It's a one-off, so they can push the boundaries. It's still PG thirteen. They're not going to show nudity or anything, but they can say, "Okay, well, everyone said that was a problem. We're going to kind of push that in this." Um, and and it's you know it's a 2020 movie she's going to be a strong this is her choice she doesn't need to do it because she's also working for shield but she just she likes the power she gets from doing it you know so it kind of puts it in her hands that it's her choice and not just she's doing it just for money yeah because they do a great job with that with scarlett johansson yeah bobby do you have anything to say about johnny's pitch it just sounded like too for for casting it's always sunny actors it sounds like too much of a gimmick to not make it a comedy like you're I don't know if they can really pull off I mean other than maybe uh Mr. Fantastic I mean he looks a lot like him at least I mean I know he looks like that but I don't know if you can really pull off a serious ish MCU movie with these actors without making it seem too disconnected from the MCU like I don't know how this would work in See, I this, this is why. So so Glenn Howerton not only would be my choice in the real MCU for Mr. Fantastic, um, he was Marvel's second choice to uh, be, uh, what's his name, Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord. Glenn Howerton was the second guy. So he was almost Star-Lord. So they already like him. He has history with Marvel. I could totally see him doing this role. And while he's like, he's like a, creepy character and he's funny and it's always sunny. He's not like an over the top guy. So he can easily be the straight man. And same with, like I said, like the, I don't need Sue storm to be like over sexualized. And Caitlin Olson is really, really good in everything she's been in. And she's, she's also in um, like, uh, Oh shoot. What's uh, I'm completely blanking on everything now, but yeah, she's in, yeah. she, you know, everything she's in. Um, but she's good at kind of also just playing that character and she would be quippy, but it would be dry humor. Cause that's what D even in that show is like, she has like Pratt falls and stuff like that. That's funny, yeah. but she's I, just good I can't at get over taking that. You said he was Dr. Doom. He's Dr. Doom. And here's my I, I theory on that. that. So I know he was a little over the top in like Pacific Rim two as like the, the villain, but I like Dr. Doom being a character that outside of his like suit. Yeah. He deals with magic and stuff, but you know, after like at the end of this movie, he's going to have the the mask like permanently sealed to his face. And Charlie Day was he was really good in his small part in Hotel Artemis as like a, and he's a villain in that movie. So I he can do that. And he's like a Broadway actor and he has more classically trained acting stuff than the other people. So I believe in his ability. And then Danny DeVito, uh, I was debating on changing up that role and making him like Galactus as a joke at the end. But I think having Ben Grimm as like the retired professor um, and then he goes from being this like four foot seven dude to becoming this giant rock creature. I think that is a better dynamic than him being like the dude from the shield and then looking just like that only orange. And then also his voice actually works like picturing Danny DeVito as the thing's voice works for me like i like his voice as the cgi thing yeah it's like grizzled and and like 
old like that, I, I think that would work. Yeah, I still just Charlie Day's voice even coming out of Doctor Doom. I, I just I can't get over that as the actual serious villain because Doctor Doom is one of the best villains in Marvel, and you're putting him in yeah. the, this role who is supposed to probably carry forward into a lot of other movies and could and could even be one of the next big bads. Everyone has said he could be the next Thanos. I just don't see don't see Charlie Day as that. At no, all. you don't. You don't see the right Charlie Day. He's a great actor, and I love him. He's he's like the main reason that it's always sunny still goes as strong as it is. And I just trust his. If they cast him in a serious movie, I would love to to see it. So I want to give him a chance at that. And he fit better in that role, like because I obviously use the cast of a sitcom. He fit better in that um, role than than anyone else did. I like Rob McElhenney as as Johnny Storm because he could be very quippy. And he is married to Caitlin Olsen in real life. So their dynamic as brother and sister, I want to see that. And it's and it would be would be funny because they they obviously work well together. Um, but like your movie, I get your what you're saying about Doctor Doom, but and yours is a one off, but you cast a dude who straight up is a terrible actor and was the worst part. Again, like as far as acting wise goes, he's horrible in the original Fantastic Four. So you took that same guy, made him now an evil vice president guy and Dr. Doom, and you cast, and the director of your movie, I still don't get the tone because Palm Springs is like a straight up like fun comedy and you cast that dude to to be your director, but it's not a comedy movie. I mean, it's very, I mean, I said it's inner Deadpool. It has a lot of comedy, but it's MCU. I mean, Palm Springs, yeah, it's, it's a comedy, but it also has sincere romance and things. It shows he can pull off a few different types of tones. Um, and Marvel does that. I mean, they take someone who's done something that's not nothing like an MCU movie before, uh, you know, like the Russo brothers, and they come in and do Avengers. Community, or what, yeah, it, right, they did Community, is absolutely nothing like like Avengers. So they, yeah. they can do that. So if they, I just want to give a indie director the chance for the big movie. But as far as the acting for Julian McMahon, he's actually, I mean, in other things, he is better. That that was a poorly written Dr. Doom and also just in a weirdly toned, goofy movie. Um, him in Red, which I actually do kind of like, is kind of menacing. He's a pretty, he plays a corrupt VP really well. Um, so, you know, I, I think he can pull it off a little better this time, especially if the character is written better than he was in that original movie. Yeah. All right, you guys can go back and forth all day, but yeah. what do you what do you think? I'm thinking, see what Joe's thoughts are. So when it comes to use of the rule, because how I judge this is by use of the rule, who used the rule better, whose cast was better, and then whose overall pitch did I like better? So I feel like the use of the rule, it's hard because I like both of you. So right now I'm going to say that's a tie, and for the cast as well, you're you're both kind of gifted your cast, and I like how you placed everybody. Like, I, I wouldn't really move any of Johnny's people around to be like, oh, this person should have been Mr. Fantastic instead of the thing or, you know, everything. And then I like all of the people Bobby picked. So it came down to the director. And I feel like the person that picked the better director for their movie is Johnny. Because I like, I like Palm Springs, but I feel like it, but I like Travis Knight more for the jo- movie Johnny's pitching. But for the overall pitch, it's hard because the movie I'd rather see based on the pitch is Bobby's. So then it forces me to go back to the use of the rule. And I just, and for the pitch and the use of the rule, I feel like the 
characters Bobby picked were better. And so I think I have to go with Bobby. All right. It was close. This was hard. I was like, even as you guys were bickering back and forth, even I love Danny DeVito as the thing. I like your whole thing of picking a, you know, four foot tall guy Mm -hmm. and making him, uh, uh, making, making him the thing, making him a making giant rock. Thing, I, actually, yeah. I really liked a lot of that. The, my biggest problem was Charlie Day, and I love Charlie Day, but yeah, I, I did like a lot uh, of that. Yeah, it was super close. It was it's hard. So now we have a score of one to zero. Bobby's up. And so that means uh, Johnny gets to pick. All right. All right. Where do I go from here? Let's go with. Um, Let's go with Anaconda. All right. And Anaconda. uh and and I'll have Bobby go first this time. All right. All right. Before Bobby All goes, right. I'll uh, give everyone a brief breakdown of Anaconda. It's a 1997 movie, uh received a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, according to Wikipedia, it is an American adventure horror film directed by Luis Losa and starred Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Voight, Eric Stoltz, Jonathan Hyde and Owen Wilson. It focuses on a documentary film crew in the Amazon rainforest that is captured by a snake hunters who is hunting down a giant legendary green anaconda. All right, Bobby. All right. So um, my movie, I'm just going to start by naming the cast and you'll start to get the idea. So my Terry Flores, who was JLo in the original is going to be Judy Reyes, who is Carla on Scrubs. I have Demi Rich, who was Ice Cube. I have Donald Faison from Scrubs, as who was Turk. Um, production manager, Denise Kelberg, who was Carrie Wurr in the original. I have Sarah Chelke, who's Elliot from Scrubs. I have uh, Gary Dixon, who was Owen Wilson. I have Zach Braff, who's obviously JD. Uh, Warren Rustridge, uh, the, um, who's Jonathan Hyde in the original, uh, is Neil Flynn, the janitor. Paul Cerrone, or Cerrone, who is John Voight, the, the snake hunter, is going to be John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox. And Professor Stephen Kale, who is Eric Stoltz, is going to be a much older professor in this one, and that will be Ken Jenkins, who is Dr. Kelso. So my movie is a streaming movie uh, that is going to be on Hulu, because that who that's who owns Scrubs right now, and that's where they, that's streamed. And Zach Braff is going to be my director, because he directed a lot of episodes of Scrubs, so he knows that tone, as well as a lot of movies including Garden State, Garden State, wish I was here. And this is going to be in the tone of a Scrubs episode. It's going to be very funny, very, um, it, it's going to have some serious moments when characters die because Scrubs always throws it in, that in there. It's going to be more of an ensemble between the entire cast because though that main group that I was talking about is going to stay together for most of the movie. You're not going to pick a lot of them off till towards the end so you get a lot of their interaction. Instead, you're going to have some of the side characters from Scrubs show up. So you're going to have like Tom Cavanaugh, who played JD's brother, um, and the uh, and a few other ones here. Basically, uh, Eloma Wright, who played Laverne. Some of these other ones go along for the ride, and they're going to kind of get picked off by the snake as it goes along. It's going to be definitely a lot more lighthearted than the original Anaconda. Uh, it's going to be a parody for the most part. Uh, and you, but you get to see these characters together again, which a lot of people love. And everyone, a lot of people want a Scrubs movie. Well, this is going to be their way to get it with all these characters. Uh, and but so my main pitch is it's it, the plot is going to be pretty much the same. It's going to be Anaconda, but you're just going to have these fun sitcom characters. And then at the end, it's going to fade 
And then you'll realize this is one of JD's daydreams from Scrubs. So he's daydreaming in the because he just watched Anaconda the night before. And he was imagining that next morning, what if all his friends were getting hunted by this giant snake? So JD shrugs and uh, walks off to work as a doctor. All right. Johnny, what's right. your pitch? I got, I got something to say about that, but uh, let's talk about my Anaconda movie. Um, so I used the rule that Bobby just did for his Fantastic Four. I cast all of these people as different characters that they are. Um, so Ice Cube originally played Darius Stone. He's going to be Triple X from his his sequel, the Triple X movie. Owen Wilson, he's going to be Hansel from Zoolander. Eric Stoltz, he's going to play the stoner that he played in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Jennifer Lopez is going to be Selena. Uh, Danny Trejo is going to be Machete. Jonathan Hyde, he's going to be Van Pelt, the hunter from Jumanji. And John Voight is Jim Phelps uh, from Mission Impossible. So here's my pitch. So Derry Stone, a.k.a. Triple X, has been assigned to transport a famous singer, Selena, and a famous model, Hansel, to a safe place in the Amazon to perform at basically what's a version of the Fire Festival. The area is dangerous, so they are accompanied by a famous hunter, Van Pelt, a hitman, Machete, and Hansel's stoner friend, who has who he's known since high school. They get on a boat captained by a shady man named Jim Feltz, who ends up betraying them and leaving them in a jungle ruled by the dangerous anaconda. The anaconda kills Hansel, his stoner friend, and Van Pelt before Triple X kills it to rescue Selena and bring her to safety. Um, and at the end, uh, Jim Phelps is thrown to the snake and the anaconda kills him. So that's my movie. It is a horror movie. It has some fun comedy in it because of the characters in it. But, you know, you kind of always need stoner characters in, in horror movies. So that's my, my tone. But it's still a fun monster kills people movie. All right. So my question for Johnny is, did you say who your director was? Do you have a director? Uh, no, I don't have a director. Let's go with... You know what? I, I had one and I think I accidentally deleted it. So I just have to make sure that it's not. It's the guy who, it's the person who did Crawl. If you saw okay. that, I just deleted the name. Uh, All right. I got to find it now. All right. And Bobby, so my question for you is I've seen Scrubs through like once and thought it was fine. Like, how, who, if, you, if you're not a fan of Scrubs, are you supposed to care about your movie? So no. <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean, they're they're pitching they're because I'm making a streaming Hulu movie, they're they're trying to get the Scrubs fans to watch it. But the thing is, you can always watch a parody and find it fun because the characters are really entertaining. So it if you even if you are a fan of the original Anaconda, you're gonna find it interesting because they're parodying that movie and you're gonna find that funny. So you there's there's different aspects. This is definitely a movie made for an audience that, you know, it's not gonna be in theaters and something that's trying to make a hundred million dollars. Um, but it's gonna have his audience, and I think the audience is going for is gonna love it. All right. Okay. So I'm gonna let you guys Here, battle it out. All right. So I love Scrubs to death. I've seen every episode probably ten times. Like I've watched everything, even the shitty late seasons. I would say the worst part of Scrubs. Um, especially towards the later seasons are all of Zach Braff's daydreams. The show is so good because the characters are really funny and because it has a lot of heart. Like there are some truly emotional moments, like especially from Dr. Cox in that show. And you made your entire movie, the worst part of scrubs. Like Dr. Acula is a funny little 
skit, but I do not want to see JD's version of Dracula, the doctor for like an hour and a half movie. And no, and I don't think any actual fan of scrubs would, especially because even scrubs fans nowadays, like don't care about Zach Braff and don't like him. He's been up his own ass ever since scrubs ended. So I like that. Wish you were here or whatever that shitty movie he did was, is like unwatchably bad. He did a shitty like sitcom that barely lasted a season about podcasting. And like everything he does is just like, Hey, remember when I was in scrubs and this would just feel like all his bad tweets about that, like come to life. And I don't but, want that at all. So even as a far, huge scrubs fan. Yeah. But I mean, that's why he, he's, uh, he wasn't, I didn't put him as the top star person in it. He's directing it. So he doesn't need to be the exact lead. He's, well, that, that's, he's that's my problem with it. Well, that's the thing. I, he's JD, but in, even in some of his daydreams and stuff, he's like watching things happen, but it's not going to be in the tone of his daydreams where it's like some weird goofy. It's goofy because it's a parody of Anaconda, but it's a full on movie. So, you know, you get the characters Turk. Turk and Carla are, you know, those are the two people I put as the, the two kind of leads. Like in the original movie, J-Lo and Ice Cube are kind of kind of the main people. I just kept people around so they can interact. And, you know, Scrubs fans, I think you they say that until they see something from Scrubs. You're going, oh, it's Scrubs, and they'll watch it, and they'll, they'll like it. And the daydreams, even if that's the worst part, it's not like you're watching an entire SNL sketch. It, the entire movie is, you know, it's a parody, but it's not one of his little two minute sketches that might interrupt a serious drama. So, I just uh, yeah, but uh, here's my, my issues with it is like, you kind of did half and half. If you went full on JD Daydream and made the snake a puppet and made it humorous, like, okay, like maybe I could see that because then it would be true to Scrubs form. Like there's literally, I think in that there's, either a daydream or something where it's just like a snake sock puppet on a dude's hand. Like if you made your snake closer to that, I could see it. And it actually feels like a scrubs movie, but if it's actually going to be a giant snake killing them, um, then it's not, then I don't want it to like have to actually do with scrubs. Like if you just cast the movie as those roles, I'd be like, all right, fine. But then you connected it to scrubs. And I feel like it doesn't connect to scrubs in any way that like even the fans of the show want to see like yours feels to it doesn't stay true to the actual show. But if you if I did if you do that and do like a sock puppet because the whole thing was the ending is supposed to kind of reveal that it was JD's dream. If if it's in that tone, you're like, oh well, this is just it is just it is scrub. So then you're like, oh okay, that's interesting. Like kind of a cool ending to tie it in. But the what main you, reason you're going in to watch it is just a parody of Anaconda. But if you go into it and it has the entire cast of Scrubs, isn't the first thing you think to yourself, Scrubs? So the whole movie, that's all you're thinking about. And then at the end of the reveal is just that, hey, everything that you've been thinking about, it's that. And then you said it was for Scrubs fans, but then are you not going to promote it as a Scrubs movie? You're going to promote it as the cast of Scrubs returns to do their version of Anaconda. And so it'll be a big deal just to have them come back. And also, I mean, it's more of the the daydreams, the reveal, it's played it's a you know it's it's comedic to to have him go to reveal that it's not exactly it's a big third act twist like oh my god i can't believe it it's not trying to be that it's just i don't really want them to be right away like oh okay so this is one of jd's daydreams like as soon as the movie starts i don't want it to be that but i also don't it doesn't it's not a sixth sense twist at the end it's like oh okay that's cool because he just watched the movie so it's one of his more elaborate ones it could have been in the morning as he's 
you know, getting ready for work and he's like, hmm, going through this whole thing. What would happen if, if everyone was being chased by this giant snake? Right. We can go over this point like back and forth, but Bobby, do you have anything against Johnny's pitch? I think, I don't know. I just don't need, Anaconda is not a movie that I need to see again. And I feel like you just made Anaconda again, but current. And there's really no reason to remake it unless you're making fun of it. And well, yeah, that's all we do here. We character. reboot and remake movies. Yeah, we. Right. That's that's the goal of this show. I know, so but like, that's why I think I found a more interesting way to remake Anaconda that people would actually find interesting. I think this movie, people would see it and skip it. This is going to be in Walmart's five dollar bin in a day. Right. Yeah, well, but it'll make it'll make. First of all, it'll make more money than yours. Second of all, it introduces bigger characters. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to go. You know, oh Hansel, they're either going to be excited. Yeah, they really to see Hansel love that Triple X movie. Yeah, I, and but now we're putting all those characters into one. It actually is a story. And my director is Alexander or Alexandre Aha. He did Crawl, which is a really fun crocodile kills you movie. And you could just basically do that with snakes. And plenty of people, like even if it's not a huge hit, Crawl's a good movie. And you could just do that same tone. It's a good movie, but even that movie with made this. no money. All right. Well, yeah, we, but okay. we can go back go, and forth go. all day, but I got my ruling. So. Okay. Basically, when it came down to use of the rule, um, I liked Johnny's better because Bobby's, I feel like, whole thing hinged. If you're a Scrubs fan, you'll probably think his movie's amazing. And if you're not a Scrubs fan, you probably won't really care that much. And the cast, I liked Johnny's cast better than just as... More and more interesting and more compelling. It's like no one from Scrubs really stood out just in general after Scrubs. Like Donald Faison popped out here and there. Zach Braff did some things here and there. And then the pitch overall, I just, I think part of it is I just don't, I've watched Scrubs once all the way through and it was fine. And I just don't really care to see like a Scrubs movie, but Johnny's movie with Triple X and Hansel and Selena and Machete and Van Pelt all going against the snake. Sounds awesome. So there we I go. Think, Fair enough. I think uh, Johnny wins. I think I need to know two. better on his sitcom uh, preferences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what Joe's preferences of Scrubs are, but I'm a huge Scrubs fan, and I would yeah I would I would like a <laughs> Scrubs movie, but not like with a snake attack. <laughs> yeah. So my I just thought that was fun. So freshman year of college, I'd never seen Scrubs before. And my roommate was like, oh, you need to watch Scrubs. And so I watched it through once and I've caught episodes since here and there. Like, it's fine. It's good. It's just nothing. I, w- I didn't like it enough to like, oh, I need to go back and rewatch like all of it again. Like, no. but so uh, Bobby's up. Pick all your right. movie and uh, whether you go first or second. Okay. So let's see. Hmm, I want to save that one. So. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Home Alone, and I'll go first. All right, Home okay. Alone. Um, well, I don't know if I said this or not, but we got a, our tie game one-to-one. Uh, Home Alone was a 1990 movie. It received a criminally low 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think has been beefed up over the years because I looked like a year ago, and it was at like 53%. So I think Rotten Tomatoes went and got some reviews just to make it fresh. Anyways, according to Wikipedia, Home Alone is a 1990 American Christmas comedy film written and produced by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus. It stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Catherine O'Hara. 
The film follows an eight-year-old boy who must defend his home from two burglars after his family mistakenly leaves him behind on their Christmas vacation. Now, before you guys start, I will say I had the rule and what my pitch would be for this, and I think it's like a home run, slam dunk, no contest win. So after we're done and I pick my winner for this round, I'm going to tell you what I would have done for Home Alone. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, if this works. So my movie, uh, to start off, is going to be directed by Rob Letterman. He directed uh, Goosebumps and Detective Pikachu. Just very kid-friendly, but has some little horror direction but and puts good heart into his movies. Um, and my movie is going to be told from the villain's perspective. So this is going to be essentially a kids-friendly version of the movie Don't Breathe, where you're following the burglars entering a house with you know, traps or, you know, someone trying to keep them out. So my, uh, my burglars who you're going to be following for most of the movie. So Harry, who was Joe Pesci in the original is going to be Jordan Peele. Uh, and my Marv, Daniel Stern, any guesses? No, Michael, Michael Keegan Key. Eagle, Michael. Yeah. You said Keegan it. Michael Keegan Key. Michael I said Key. it fucked up. So we're going to have a Key and Peele, you know, kids comedy where they're bantering and they're arguing with each other, trying to get through this house. Um, Kevin McAllister is the only other character you see in the movie because you're not seeing it through the kid's perspective. So you don't actually see the parents. You can see him drive away. You can see him drive back in the taxi or whatever. But uh, my Kevin McAllister, I just needed someone who two of the main villains are going to, is just going to seem like this bratty smart kid. Um, so I cast Ian Armitage, who is young Sheldon in uh, that TV show. He's, he's good enough to lead a show. He's fine. He's he, you're, You don't really see him. He's not your lead character, so he just has to be annoying to these guys. So my movie from the villain's perspective. So obviously the burglars see they they know the travel plan, plans of this family. Uh, they know they're going to be gone. They want to break into the house. Um, Kevin tricks them at first to make them think that everyone's still home. But once they realize that Kevin's there, it's them breaking in, trying to get whatever they're stealing from this family money or whatever they're going to get. Um, and they, it's just a lot of traps. It's a little bit of kid friendly tension of like, where's this trap coming from? And you get a lot of physical comedy. You get a lot of them, you know, yelling like, how could you fall for that? What was that type of stuff with Keegan, Michael key and Jordan Peele, uh, Jordan Peele playing it a little bit more straight Keegan, Michael key being a little bit more goofy, a little bit, some more of the physical comedy in there. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. You, at the end of the movie, Kevin, is able to have them get the police involved and have them arrested. And you see the parents drive up, you get a little kids uh, theme in there of, you know, stealing, stealing doesn't pay moral of the story type thing. So even though you're following these guys, you don't get like, Ooh, I should go steal a rob, rob a house. Um, but really you're watching this for key and peel and their banter and their gags and, um, you know, trying to maybe trick their way into the house, dressing up as different characters or something like that. So I think you, I think kids are going to really like this. I think families are going to like it. It'll be a, you know, family oriented movie kind of with a tone of like a goosebumps detective Pikachu, which is fun for the whole family. I like, I liked both those movies. They're pretty fun. They're that's kind of the tone I'm going for. All right. All right. Johnny. All right. So uh, I'll reveal my rule as I do my pitch, but I'll tell you my main three cast members first. So Kevin McAllister changing that up. Have enough of little kids being home alone that are boys. So we're going Kayla McAllister. That's going to be played by Brooklyn Prince, who is the girl in the Florida Project, who is amazing. Um, my 
Harry and Marv, the Wet Bandits. That's going to be uh, the Harry is going to be Anthony Kerrigan, who plays NoHo Hank on Barry. He's hysterical in that show, the best part of that show. And Marv is going to be kind of the straight man bad guy. Um, Piloy Asbake, he was the bad guy in Overlord. He was a big actor in Game of Thrones, and he was in Ghost in the Shell. Um, and uh, here's my pitch. Two assassins are assigned to find the blueprints for a revolutionary security system in the home of the scientist couple, the McAllisters. They are away on important business and must leave their daughter, Kayla, home alone. They tell her she is protected by the latest innovations in security, and she has nothing to worry about. Little does she know that two Russian agents have been assigned to steal important security blueprints from her house. Uh, She wants to be an inventor, just like her dad. So to feel extra safe, she sets up booby traps around the house. The two assassins are sent, uh, they send a team of lackeys to uh, infiltrate the security system. So they disable it. um, And then they start sneaking in the house. Most of them fall victim to Kayla's traps uh, until one outsmarts her and is right about to kill her until he is shot through the window. Enter MI6 agent James Bond. He has been sent to protect the family house and keep the blueprint safe. The two assassins attack the house and James Bond and Kayla must fight for their lives in order to succeed in stopping the criminals from stealing the McAllister's plans. So that's my movie. I've made it a James Bond movie, and my director, I'm just going to stick with what worked in Skyfall, which was basically a Home Alone movie, Uh, Sam Mendes. He's going to direct this as well. All right. So it's going to be James Bond and Home Alone. All right. So my question, Bobby, is we're not rooting for Marv and – Whatever the other one's name is, right? And you're you're entertained by them, but you're not really rooting for them. You know they're bad. Like they're right away say, like it's very obvious they're the bad guys. We're All just right. seeing it through their perspective. And um yes, yeah, so you're not really rooting for them to win, even though you might fall that way throughout the movie. By the end when they're arrested, you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that's good. Like, you know, right. they got caught. All right, and then Johnny, when like is this like a James Bond movie or is it supposed to be like a shock that James Bond shows up in your movie? Like when does it was, James it Bond was, appear? It was more of a surprise for my pitch, but as far as the movie goes, you could make it a, a James Bond movie and introduce like, Hey, you know, we have this mission, go save these plans and then cut to the family leaving the team breaks, you know, in, and then they're about to kill the, the girl um, when James Bond like shoots them. And then it's, it's like, the two of them together. Cause the one thing that we have never had in a James Bond movie is him interacting with a child. He's never mm-hmm. been like sent to protect one. And there's not really any kids ever in James Bond movies. All right. Yeah. I'll say it's interesting. We got a very like kid friendly PG, you know, Disney plus type of movie. And then we got like hard, you know, like HBO max fucking movie. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see what you guys have to say about each other's pitches. Yeah. Really quick. So I just don't get, if you're going to have James Bond, I feel like you need him in pretty much the whole movie. Like you're, you're maybe having him set up the movie and having him come in at the end, but really then there's no setup with the kid of them interacting beforehand and get developing like a relationship that you would even want to see. You're pretty much having him come in at the end and just kind of be a protector, which kind of then get makes, you make which Kayla. makes it like man on fire, but, but then which it's like would Kayla, be Kayla, great. Kayla McAllister needed help. And in the first one, Kevin was so smart that he got rid of these, these burglars on his own and now That's you have someone that needs up. to be saved by, no, by gets, a super gets, spy by an adult tied up spy. yeah exactly because it's realistic because no child is going to stop burglars by having a, 
a punching, like a boxing glove in the closet. Here's my problem with yours. Like I changed mine up because we've already had the perfect home alone. Like I don't need that to change. Apparently not. It has a 65%. Yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) But we have already in home alone. I would argue most of that movie is the villain's perspective already. Like you're not changing enough. Like it's not like they just come in and you don't really know about them. Like, unless you're completely giving them a backstory, which I don't think you touched on. Well, like, yeah, you're going to see them just, in the beginning. You're going to have a setup to the movie. So they're going to be investigating these houses. Like, Oh, this house is one that's going to, their parent, people are going to be gone. So they've been burglaring, burglarizing these houses. So you're going to get them. When you see it through someone else's eyes, it just makes them going through the house more of a mystery and more of kind of, okay, wait, where are these traps coming from? What is this whole thing? Because you don't see Kevin setting them up. Uh, you don't know where they're going to come from. Um, you, It's a surprise that this kid is so smart. And so it, it just kind of, it changes this perspective of the movie. Now, I would love your movie as a Key and Peele skit. You know, as them as the Wet Bandits and just having even like two or three skits where they're just like falling into traps. That would be great. But like not a full movie of it. And I know yours is more of a kids and family movie, but you already have that same thing in home alone. You have enough of the bad guys doing that. So you would just be basically it be close to a scene for scene remake, except you'd miss the fun of Calvin McAllister setting up the traps and watching the, you know, the movie that they made for that. And then having that in there and you would just replace that with just only the stuff from the original one of Joe Pesci, catching on fire and and that so like we already have that in it and you're just kind of taking out the fun of kevin McAllister's point of view and it's supposed to be for kids and they're seeing it through the eyes of the burglars instead of a kid which the whole movie is like what happens if you're a kid and you're home alone and you know you set traps like you're taking away that from kids but then pitching it as a kid's movie but you still i mean even so if you're a kid watching that movie you're automatically gonna kind of side with the kid even if you're not watching it through that perspective so you're going to be rooting for things to happen to these guys and just kind of waiting for it and be like oh oh and then like you know reacting when some something crazy happens um and these guys key and peel you know it, as long as it's not a you know a key and peel sketch they can be very family friendly and very entertaining at the same time and i just feel like them leading the movie you're going to get a lot you're going to get more out of that than just another straight up remake of home alone and also yours i don't it doesn't even feel like home alone to me especially with the james bond aspect she's she's home alone with and I, I, that. Like, oh, I know on. i will say this judging is hard i know yeah. i found that last week yeah well good luck see next the, week, the, Johnny. the thing i'm gonna be i'm gonna find out especially next week it's it's tough to judge when there's such different things right oh yeah mm-hmm. but yeah, that's the hard part you know our our rule was just that we had to include james bond this was the only one I felt like like really could make a fun, different movie. James Bond already had like all that with Skyfall. So it's kind of a throwback to like that, those home alone scenes. He helped set all the traps in there. And like the last hour or like last 30 minutes, of that movie is basically James Bond version of home alone. So I'm like, all right, well so take that aspect it. and put it into home alone, but give Kayla uh, McAllister, like her story and Brooklyn Prince is so good in the Florida project. I'd love more of like that story. Like again, my, my biggest problem with yours is that in a kid's movie, you always have like agent Cody banks. You have even that movie that just came out with Dave Bautista, like my spy. There's enough of like the kid's perspective in these like 
in these movies to keep kids interested and to know who they're rooting for. If you're a 10 year old and you watch your movie, you think the main characters and the guys you should be rooting for are your villains. And then you're upset when they're arrested at the end. And that's but not it teaches the point you a of a good lesson home. at that point. Cause even so like, but it, but I don't think kids would really get it. Like, I, I don't think like if you pitch that movie as an R-rated like comedy parody of Home Alone with Key and Peele, I'm totally down for that. I would love to see their perspective and them being like, how the fuck could you fall into that trap and whatever? But like you took that away, made it the same thing as the original Home Alone, but then just like took out all the stuff that kids will connect to. So you should have made yours more about it like an adult movie since it's for adults. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. In but mind, I want to, but also because kids need to, when kids picture robbers and bad guys, a lot of the times I think they picture villains from movies and things like that. This can kind of show that charismatic, like likable people can also be bad, kind of that don't talk to stranger kind of thing. So once that, once you get to that ending and realizing, oh wait, no, they're, they're bad guys or the burglars. I think that actually does give them a good perspective instead of just, oh, it's a kid and he's fighting off this big evil villain. All right. So I think I have my ruling. I think so. The three the three breakdowns, the pitch. I think Johnny wins the pitch because his movie is the movie I'd rather see. However, when it comes to the use of the rule, I think I like Bobby's better because I think I would rather see Key and Peele star in a movie than a movie with James Bond in Home Alone with a girl because then it's not really even Home Alone anymore because she's not Home Alone. It's home with James Bond. So I think Bobby wins that aspect. And then the cast. The cast. Oh, oh, wait. Uh Before you touch on the cast, Uh I forgot to mention, even people who like that shitty show, The Big Bang Theory, agree that that kid in Young Sheldon is unwatchably bad, and he's a terrible actor. So I know he's not in your movie much, but like, don't give that kid work. He's he's very bad. He's a right. kid. I mean, you can you can make him. He's bad. You can make that work. All right, and so mo- there's. I think Bobby's villains are better, and I think Johnny's kid is better. But it's weird because Bobby focused on the villain and Johnny focused on the kid. But I think. Overall, as Johnny kept talking, it made me like his movie less. Of He said it's like Man on Fire, but because he's not connected to the kid at all, it's more like the shitty Scott Glenn Man on Fire and not the good Denzel Washington Man on Fire. I've never seen the original Man on Fire. Yeah, it's bad. And I think because Johnny made his movie not Home Alone, but Home with James Bond, and I kind of want to see Key and Peele break into houses... It's close, but I gotta go. Even though I feel like Johnny's movie itself is better, I feel like Bobby had the better cast, and he had the better implementation of the rule. It's because you haven't seen Barry. (laughs) So, Bobby is up two to one, and Johnny gets to pick his movie and whether he goes first or second. I'm really gonna go for kind of a Oh, and here's what I was going to pitch for my Home Alone before while Johnny thinks mm-hmm. it over. Is my pitch was essentially I was going to use the rule of using uh, characters in other, that they played in other movies, and it was going to be Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas and random Daniel Stern character, because he plays the same character in every movie, breaking into Richie Rich's house. And that was going to be my pitch for Home Alone. 
That'd be okay. the same movie. Yeah, yeah but, it really. But now he has more except, access to except, money. Except right. he replaced. Except he replaced. Uh, Joe Pesci's character with like a crazy lunatic murderer. <laughs> like yeah. he did a fun bandit and you made him like straight up one of the most evil characters ever depicted on screen. Yeah, and then he goes up against a kid with unlimited funds and supplies. <laughs> it's it's his care it's the character from Home Alone, but better. Or it's like the villain from Home Alone, but better, and the kid from Home Alone, but better. And same other character. <laughs> and who cares? Yeah, Daniel and then Daniel's the same in every other <laughs> yeah. But that was my pitch for Home Alone. All right, All right Johnny, what do you know what you're doing yet? Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go with Speed Racer, and I'll uh, I'll go first on it. All right. I, I, this, was, this, was the, um, this was a hard one because not only – I agree. Do our rules, like, not really fit with Speed Racer? Um, oh, I know what I was going to do here. Who gives know. a flying fuck about Speed Racer? So this is what I'm doing oh, to wait, my movie. I'll read my uh, – Speed Racer background first. So Speed Racer, 2008 movie, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never actually seen it, so I don't know if that's high or low. I know it's got a little bit of a cult standing. Uh, It's okay. Wikipedia describes Speed Racer as a 2008 sports action comedy film written, co-produced, and directed by the Wachowskis and based on the 1960s anime and manga series of the same name. It stars Emile Hirsch, Christina Ricci, John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, Matthew Fox, and Richard Roundtree. The plot revolves around Speed Racer, an 18-year-old automobile racer who follows his apparently deceased brother's career. His choice to remain loyal to his family and their company, Racer Motors, causes difficulties after he refuses a contract offered by E.P. Arnold Royalton, the owner of Royalton Industries. All right, well, yeah, that's that's really all you need to know. He's a racer, he's a kid, and he wants to race. Uh, And his name is Speed, so that's why it's Speed Racer. All you need to know. Here's my pitch. In a futuristic world, an 18-year-old racer named Speed is determined to enter a tournament of the best racers in the world. The favorite to win is a man called Racer X, who is a huge celebrity but never reveals his identity. He is the number one racer and number one singer in the world, but is always wearing his helmet. Speed is jealous because he has always wanted to be the best racer and the best singer. This motivates Speed. Speed trains hard with the help of his racing team made up of his parents and a talking chimp through a huge montage of speed racing and singing. He qualifies for the finals as an underdog. In the end, he realizes his nemesis and biggest rival, Racer X, is actually his twin brother he thought to be dead. Speed wins the race, reunites with his long-lost twin brother, and the end is a huge duet with Speed and his brother Rex Racer. One last thing. Every character in this movie is played by Andy Samberg. And the directors are Akiva Schaefer and Jorma Tacone, who did Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. So that's my movie. Every character is Andy Samberg. It's going to have parody songs. It's a complete um, parody, but it's going to combine basically Pop Star and Hot Rod. So he's he wants to be a racer and a singer. Well, so that Bobby, very, that is very different that. in my pitch. Very <laughs> different. All right. Um, yeah, so my speed racer, just to uh, get this right out of the way, is going to be directed by James Mangold. Um, oh, God. <laughs> right. Very, all right, straight off the bat, very different. Um, but it's actually not for the reason you'd expect. It's So one reason is he just did Ford v. Ferrari, and the racing in that movie is the best racing I've ever seen put to screen at all. It's uh, amazing. So that's what you want to get right for sure in a speed racer movie. 
And the other thing you want to get right in a Speed Racer movie is The Camp. And he did a movie called Night and Day also with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz that I find really campy, corny, fun. So basically, you know James Mangold can make a good movie. So he's going to make, a, you know, it's, it's, he can do great action. You can, but you can have at least some of the camp, not full out night and day, but you can include that in the movie. So you know he has experience doing both. So with my cast, I have Joe Keery, a speed racer. He's Steve from Stranger Things. Um, I have Zoe Deutsch um, from Zombieland 2, um, and she's an up-and-coming actress. She's the daughter of Leah Thompson uh, as Trixie, his girlfriend. Um, as Pops, I have Christopher Maloney, uh, and that was John Goodman in the original. He, Christopher Maloney is great in Law & Order SVU. He's getting a lot of acclaim right now for Happy, which is on Netflix now. That's a really bizarre, crazy movie, but he's just a good actor. I think he'd fit. Um, I have Marissa Tomei as his mom, who was Susan Sarandon in the original. Um, Racer X, who is his older brother, not twin brother in my version, which is the same as the original, uh, is going to be played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who he grew up idolizing. Um, Arnold Royalton, the villain, is going to be the corrupt CEO, played by Matt Damon. I think he can be, to the public, this really charismatic kind of guy and be kind of slimy behind the scenes. I'd like to see Matt Damon play a villain, and he's worked um, with James Mangold before in Ford B. Ferrari. And my last casting is Daniel Craig as James Bond. Because my movie is going to have James Bond, almost like Casino Royale, infiltrating this racing tournament to try to win. Because he, MI6 basically has intel that um, Arnold Royalton's uh, company is a front for a ter terrorist organization. So James Bond is sent to try to win this tournament being put on. Uh, because the winner is going to be sponsored by the CEO. That's also a part of the original movie. Um, so they were, he's going to be able to infiltrate the building. So the movie, uh, that's how you get the start. And so James Bond gets sent there. And then Speed, who grew up, you know, same thing, grew up watching his older brother race. And there's the big celebrity in Racer X, same plot that Johnny kind of described. Speed keeps winning these races or at least being close with Racer X. James Bond is struggling, but he keeps trying at least coming in third and maybe second some of these races with a lot of gadgets. So you're going to have these crazy fun race scenes where you have the good, the skilled driving of speed and racer X. And then these crazy gadgets that Bond is using to try to win these things. Um, and then as you, as they go along, uh, Bond is going to befriend speed and then eventually recruit racer X to say, I can't beat you guys, but I need to win this tournament. MI6 uh, has found out about this terrorist organization and he recruits them to help. So it's speed working with James Bond um, to make sure that at least one of those two or at least maybe or Racer X win the tournament. So when you get to the final race, it's this intense thing. You uh, uh, Speed starts to maybe think that Racer X could be his brother, another part of the original movie, but he's not sure, doesn't sure, not sure if he can trust him. Speed ends up winning the race. He gets it infiltrates the building, gets Bond in there, and once once Royalton real, realizes that Bond and other people have come into the building, he locks it all down. So this is where you get the big Bond action scene at the end. So you have the big races, and then now you have the big Bond finale in the in the villain's fortress. You know the villain's lair of them trying to get up to the office. They take out a lot of the the minions. They finally get up to the office. They find all the evidence to. Uh, show that it was a terrorist organization and they let Bond take Royalton in. And then uh, 
racer X reveals to speed that he was his brother all along. And that speed is finally a better racer than him. And, uh, they go on and be the two best racers in the world. And you see them keep racing. All right. Hmm. I don't really have any questions this round. Cause I feel like you were both, but I, I basically know what both of your movies are. So I'll let you guys talk shit about each other's movies. I'll, uh, I'll start on that. Here's my thing with speed racer. You need to go one of two directions. You need to go with my direction and make it like a straight up comedy. Then you can cast whoever you want. And it's very fun. Like I turned mine into pop star meets hot rod. We use the name speed racer, but it's a parody film or you don't whitewash it. And Bobby whitewashed a serious movie of speed racer. It's a, it's a Japanese show and you cast like the dude from stranger things and, and all that. Like that's literally just sounds like, the first one. Cause it was like, he's like nowadays, Emil Hirsch. If you were going to say who's nowadays, Emil Hirsch, it'd be like, Oh, the dude who plays Steve Harrington. And you're just doing the same thing. So you're whitewashing that movie and no one needs that. James Mangold makes only dad movies, which are all good, but he's the most dad movie director ever with like night and day Ford versus Ferrari. Even like I love walk the line, but all those are like movies made for dads and they're great. And I love them, but his audience like speed racer doesn't doesn't fit with that i know he did logan but that was different like speed racer either needs to be made 100 percent comedy or be like super campy fun but then you threw james bond in and when you throw james bond into a movie like that speed racer becomes shitty if it's too serious and james bond becomes shitty if it's campy all the Roger Moore movies nowadays are so unwatchable because of the bad campiness they tried to introduce you get like when you introduce campiness into a Bond film, you get Kananga blowing up like a balloon and exploding. And then you get like pigeons doing double takes when James Bond drives by in like a, you know, a goofy boat car. Like, so you are like, okay, well, there's some campiness because it's night and day, but then you made it a serious movie with everything else in your pitch. And, and James Mangold, like I get he can do racing, but don't put him in speed racer like that. That's, that's just... This just sounds bad. Just sounds bad. Don't want to see it. So with yours, it, yeah, it just, I mean, it's a parody movie. There's, there's, you know, I, I think with mine, pretty much you're seeing most of the movie with speed and his, you know, his family and all that. That's where kind of the campiness a little bit comes in. The racing itself is the intense Ford V Ferrari racing stuff. When you have Bond with his gadgets, it's not going to be like, you know, an, an umbrella comes out of his car and he goes up into the air. Like it's not that campy stuff. It's just, you need kind of that interaction with everyone. Cause the show itself is very campy. So the interactions with the family and all that are going to have at least some elements of that him and his girlfriend, Zoe Deutsch plays a pretty cheesy campy character in, in zombie land too. So you can throw it in that way. I just didn't wanted to throw night and day in there to show that he doesn't only do just the serious stuff. Um, and then as far as the, I mean, this is a remake of the 2008 version, which was whitewashed and speed racer was, um, itself has just become very popular in Western audiences. You know, it's, it's, would it be, would it be better to like a movie studio, but you know, you should have, if you could cast like even just like the right people in an Asian cast, like you cast the kid from like the older brother in like fresh off the boat and, and had a better cast, like. Sure, we'd be talking about like a legit movie, but if you're going to make a legit, serious, 
like this is a big budget speed racer movie that James Mangold's doing and then you whitewash it. Like that's just a, one of the biggest problems in Hollywood and, and you know, that's what you did, did to this movie. Yours as well. I know it's a parody, but you are, you could have had a parody with a, with a, an Asian comedian as well. So we did the same thing. It's just, we had different takes on the movie. Except, why is it, why except, is it better except, to parody it, you know, with that cast? Because if you parody it, basically I'm making a movie like pop star. I'm not saying like, here's, here's your chance. Like all of you speed racer fans to see your big movie and see your faces on screen. All you, you know, Japanese kids who grew up watching the show. No, like it's, it's just a fun movie where you take a dumb character name. Speed racer is probably the stupidest character name ever. And instead of taking it as like a serious thing, you take it as, yeah, this show is just a goofy show. It doesn't, you know, deserve its own like serious movie and we're just going to parody it because I want to make it a racing and song contest and have funny songs in it. And every, and like Andy Samberg age him up, play the dad, be, he's going to be the talking chimp and he's going to be the bad guy and the good guy. And you're just going to have like pop star type type songs throughout. So like, that's what I think the difference is, is that one is just like, again, a fun parody and it, while it's speed racer because of like the plot, it doesn't like represent the show, yeah. but yours is kind of made to represent the show. Yeah. And I then feel like yours is like an SNL sketch. It would be, it, like you said with what my, with Keen Peel thing, I think that would be funny for a little bit. I don't know if that could be a whole movie. I think there would be maybe scenes people would clip out that they'd find funny from that. Um, but I can't see that being a whole movie where I'm actually entertained the whole time because of the gimmick of it just being one actor. I feel like, except, it, you know, except here's my thing. I would have told you the same thing about pop star and like any movie that you pitch, like I could say that about whatever movie you have in the future. That's like cast one actor. It's like, Oh, like I couldn't watch that actor for an hour and a half. But you know, with this, at least like, if you made pop star, but every character was made by like played by Andy Samberg, it's still like a very fun movie from start to finish. And so that's, that's what my movie is going for. Like it, maybe the idea of it sounds like an SNL skit, but so did pop star. And that movie is one of the funniest movies. that's probably come out in the last like 20 years. Like that movie works from start to finish is funny the whole time. You don't just take out scenes and songs. That movie is hilarious. So, you know, that's, that's what I, that's what I kind of wanted to go for. All right, so before I make my ruling, we have some live comments. So let's see what some of the viewers have to say. Uh, Brian Nussbaum says Hot Rod is severely underrated. Hell yeah. Uh, he also says Lord. he wants to see Lord and Miller direct uh, a new version good of Speed choice. Racer. That'd be good. Uh, GFI Podcast said Speed Racer is like a little battle angel, a bad movie <laughs> that some people for some reason pretend is good. And uh, Tristan Meyer says, not a fan of a Western studio taking an iconic Japanese series and turning it into a goofy parody that doesn't seem to respect the original series. I agree. So, but Bobby did the same thing, but made it a know. serious movie that doesn't respect the original series. Sorry, our rules don't really allow us to completely respect all of the original series. So of these things. I, I will say what I was thinking of doing uh, was I was going to send James Bond to Japan and that was going to be my Speed Racer movie. But So just make James I, Bond Speed Racer. No, he wasn't gonna. Yeah. He was gonna compete against Speed Racer, but it was gonna. So be like what I did, but basically what you did, but in Japan, um, it. it's hard because I understand the whitewashing, but I understand the whitewashing a little bit both ways. Of like, yeah. you could have put like a Japanese comedian in there or an Asian comedian. I don't even. Is it Japanese originally? Yeah, it's Japanese. It's Japanese. Oh, yeah, so a Japanese comedian. Um, I feel. So I feel like that kind of cancels out both ways, but I think. 
Um, just the cast overall. I mean, it's hard to compare the cast when one of the cast is just like Andy Samberg and the other cast is like, like, I feel like it's a decent cast overall for both. Um, I think Bobby gets a slight edge. Uh, the implementation of the rule. I think Johnny wins that one just because I feel like I'm not a big Bond fan, but at least what I know from Bond fans is when Bond is goofy is kind of when Bond is at his worst. And I think Johnny's idea of when you have roles where a lot of people are in helmets and you can use costumes and uh, different style of helmets to differentiate characters, you can use the same character or the same actor for every role. And so Johnny, I think, wins the implementation of the rule. And then the, when it comes to the pitch, I think I like Johnny's pitch better because his movie just seemed more of something I want to see, where Bobby's just felt more like the original Speed Racer that people didn't like with just like a not great version of Bond thrown in, where Johnny seemed more... Like, I, I can see that being funny and being something I'd be entertained by as a fan of Andy Samberg's recent movie with palm springs and i was a big fan of pop star and then i also like that jose canseco weird album music video that they did on netflix or youtube or wherever that was put yeah and so i think uh johnny gets the point here so i'm not doing this intentionally people but we are tied up again too too i actually agree with that i really like johnny's pitch a lot i would have i would watch (laughs) that (laughs) so So, had to argue against it but i like that a lot I came down to two rules left and two movies left. And we'll get to my other one later. But I either had to make Speed Racer every actor in the same role or make it a period piece. And I was like, well, I can't make Speed Racer a period piece. So we period went with this. this. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I like this. Yeah, I was like, that would be too much to do Speed Racer as like, yeah, in like the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I liked mine on that one. And so while Bobby uh, picks his movie and what goes next, let's look at my favorite comment of the night, which is GFI Podcast saying, yeah. Joe is absurdly good looking, by the way. Is that your burner account? No, I, I, it's yeah, one of the that... few people. I'm not sure if it's my friend Darren or my friend Mason, but it's one of them. All right. Well, thank you, GFI Podcast. Post in the right. comments who you are, GFI Podcast, because you're yeah. one of two people, and I don't know. All right, so... Uh... So for my next movie, I think I'm going to have Johnny go first, and I'm going to go with 1995's Mortal Kombat. All right. So Mortal Kombat is right there. Mortal Kombat is a 1995 uh, movie. It's a surprisingly high 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, The movie, according to Wikipedia, is a fantasy martial arts action film that follows the warrior monk Liu Kang, the actor Johnny Cage, and the soldier Sonya Blade. All three guided by the god Raiden on their journey to combat the evil sorcerer Shang Tsung and his forces in a tournament to save Earth. The film's primary source material was 1992's original game of the same name, but it was also inspired by and incorporates elements of 1993's follow-up game, Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, yeah. So, Johnny, you're up. All right, so Mortal Kombat, one of my favorite game series of all time. I just finished, like, completing every bit of the the newest one um, and the DLC for it. But I think the biggest problem with the original Mortal Kombat movie you, you can only do so much with the video game story. I think it has a pretty good story. So what I want to do is I want to take that story 
And basically it's all set up to have these amazing fight scenes. No one right now can direct better fight scenes than Gareth Evans, who did the Raid movies. So he's the director of my Mortal Kombat movie. And we're going all across the board with, with my cast here. Um, my Liu Kang, uh, the chosen one, that's going to be played by Iko Uwais, who is the main character in the Raid movies. My Lord Raiden is going to be played by Donnie Yen from It Man, or IP Man. Um, my Johnny Cage, you need someone who is a movie star and is a cocky dude, but can also fight and do action scenes. So I thought no one better for that role than Chris Evans, Captain America himself. Um, also great in Snowpiercer. Uh, Sonya Blade. This that's going to be played. By the way. What? You'll see when it yeah, gets well, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my Sonya Blade, Sharni Vinson. She was in Your Next. She's a good, like, uh, she has the look for it. And I feel like she was super badass in, in Your Next and uh, a couple of the other roles she's been in. Um, my Katana. Again, I'm going to cast her in as many roles as I possibly can. Probably my favorite working actress, Sonoya Mizuno, who is an ex machina and the star of Devs. Um, my Scorpion. Uh, he doesn't need to say very much, but he needs to have cool epic fight scenes. So he's going to be Byung Hun Lee. He's I saw he's uh, the good guy in I Saw the Devil, um, as well as I think he was in like the GI Joe movies. Um, my reptile. I went with Tony Jaa from Ong, uh, he was from the Ong Bak series, and my Sub Zero is going to be Jet Li. Um, Jax. Now here's where my rule comes in. I, I want my movie. I know Mortal Kombat is campy like the movie, but the game is very serious. There aren't many jokes other than from Johnny Cash. So my very serious role of Jax is going to be played by Damon Waynes Jr. from New Girl and Let's Be Cops. Um, my Shang Tsung uh, is going to be uh, Min Sik Choi. That is uh, the bad guy in old, or the good guy in old boy and the bad guy in I Saw the Devil. And my Goro, I need a big hulking dude who doesn't really need to speak much, that has experience being a CGI character. So that's going to be Vin Diesel, who I will cast every week in roles. Um, and so my rule was uh, putting an actor in a serious role. It's going to be Damon Wayans Jr. So here's my pitch. Earthrealm's two most honorable soldiers, Sonya and Jax, just got done receiving medals of honor. They are back in camp when they are visited by a strange man. He reveals to be Raiden, God of Thunder. Tells them they need to come with him in order to save Earthrealm. Uh, they follow his lead and are met in the distant world by Johnny Cage, a movie star, but also one of the greatest martial artists in the world. Um, it is revealed that a man named Shang Tsung has set up a tournament of the greatest fighters in all the realms to decide what realms survive. Uh, the tournament is to be known as Mortal Kombat. Raiden also chose another Earthrealm warrior named Liu Kang because ancient uh, scrolls have told uh, that he is the chosen one. The four Earthrealm warriors enter the tournament where they encounter deadly battles. Reptile fights Jax in his first fight, where Reptile ripped off both of his arms, uh, later to be replaced by metal arms. Sonya enters into the battle and kills Reptile for what uh, he has done for uh, to her friend. Uh, the main battles, basically the movie, the plot-wise, plays out the same, so I wanted to say what like, the main fight scenes are. So the main battles in the movie are going to be Scorpion and Sub-Zero, where Scorpion kills Sub-Zero. Um, because in like the sequels of Mortal Kombat, it sets up that Scorpion murders Sub-Zero and then Sub-Zero's 
like Sun takes over as Sub-Zero. So he's going to kill the original Sub-Zero. Um, Johnny Cage fighting Goro and Liu Kang uh, fighting Shang Tsung at the end. Um, you also have the love story of Liu Kang and Katana uh, and the reluctant Sonya Blade falling in love uh, with the cocky movie star Johnny Cage. The movie ends with Liu Kang defeating Shang Tsung and then a new dimension opening in the sky and Raiden telling the Earthrealm warriors this is only the beginning. Boom. Ah, yes. Ancient, ancient <laughs> Scrolls, everybody's favorite plot device. That is the plot of Mortal Kombat. I'm staying yeah. true to the game. So that's we're sticking in there. And that's so fitting with, with the actual Mortal Kombat storyline. All right. Bobby. So uh, my Mortal Kombat is going to be directed by James Gunn, who has history doing big, large ensemble casts, as well as bloody, crazy movies before he did was in the MCU. Um, and he's also going to be doing the R-rated Suicide Squad, but he's known for these real gritty, dirty, bloody movies before uh, jumping into the MCU, but he can work with these big casts. So my Liu Kang is going to be Henry Golding, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. People think he should be the next James Bond. Uh, He was in The Gentleman recently. Um, And then my Johnny Cage uh, should sound familiar because I also cast Chris Evans, who could be a perfect um, cocky movie star who's done action scenes. Also, there's a connection to James Gunn because of the MCU. Um, I just like him going back to his roles pre-MCU and also like uh, um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world where he kind of plays a similar character. Um, I have also have Donnie Yen as Shang Tsung. Uh, from Rogue One and Ip Man. I have as Raiden, I have Ken Watanabe from Inception, Batman Begins, uh, Letters from Yojima, Last Samurai. He's just a really good actor. I think he can pull that off. Uh, and as my katana, I have Jessica Henwick from the Iron Fist series. She was the best part of that series by far. She has uh, history doing action. Um, and she was she was just very charismatic in that. Uh, my Sonya Blade to James Gunn is bringing back one of his friends from the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So Karen Gillan, who is Nebula, is going to be my Sonya Blade. She's also in the Jumanji, uh, and she was just cast to be in like a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So she's kind of on the way up. Uh, my my the last one that I actually cast as an as an actor is uh, Goro, and I have again Dave Bautista to play that role. So the rest of them, so like Scorpion, Sub Zero, they they don't take their masks off, so they're they can be more stunt stunt men, and you can kind of have voiceovers of them if you want. But my movie starts out the same. You have them being recruited to this tournament. But as they show up, they realize that this tournament takes place in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So this movie is going to be a crazy old school James Gunn movie. Pre-MCU. It's going to be very bloody, crazy fights and violence. Uh, And then in between you're going to have these competitors go on this tour of the chocolate factory led by Willy Wonka played by Taika Waititi, who is going to take them on these tours where if they fall into their temptations, they will get killed brutally. So instead of, you know, getting blown up into a blueberry and then rolling off, they, someone blows up and then explodes into bloody million guts instead of falling down a tube in the golden geese, uh, and the, the actual things that they're doing are going to be a little different, but still they're going to be falling into these, um, is, you know, they can fall and get impaled by spikes into this tube. 
So this movie is basically just going to be, so it's a test of your fighting skills as, as well as your moral, you know, character and wit to try to survive. Uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's a tournament as well as, you know, some goofy, crazy Willy Wonka stuff with Taika Waititi taking them around. Um, and it's just going to be a big, bloody, crazy, fun movie. Interesting. Here's here's right. my okay. thing. Okay, well, because you know we have a we have a misunderstanding we have a misunderstanding of the the rule of the Willy Wonka, which is fine, and we'll get to it. Okay, but what I pictured it as is you take the characters from the original movie and actors as they were and put them in Willy Wonka. So you oh, would I take did not, I did your not. Mortal Kombat yeah. characters and put them. So just a sport, just a heads up. That's what I did in mine Got it. Um, for that role. But since we weren't super clear on that, we're going to go with what, what yeah. you did. Um, so Joe, ask uh, whatever you got to ask. I was going to say, I really don't have any questions. Cause I'm looking like I understand your cast. Basically I understand both of your mo- questions are if I'm don't really fully understand your movie, but I basically, I think I have a good handle on what both your movies are, but sometimes yeah. I learn a little bit as you guys tear each other apart. And my opinion has changed with watching you guys tear each other apart. So I'm going to let you do that right now. Um, I mean, my main thing is that I really, really love Mortal Kombat and I am so desperate for them to basically make the movie that I pitched because Mortal Kombat should be an amazing action movie. Like it would be perfect for Gareth Evans to just be like, all right, we have this crazy plot already for a video game. And it's just a setup for fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, fight scene. And instead of being held to just like, you know, in the raid two, like, oh, I got the baseball bat dude and the hammer girl. You'd basically have that, but also introduce like some supernatural elements into the fighting but like the whole movie would be the best fight scenes from the raid, but taken to another level. And I, I like my cast and I, I like that. It's very diverse. Um, I like introducing the story. I mean, I get why you took it out because they go to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but introducing the story of Scorpion and sub zero is kind of important to me. Cause that's one of the most interesting things in the game. Um, like their realms and their, their tribes and everything like that. Um, my question for you, Bobby, is that, so is yours like a it's it's a straight up bloody action movie but then what like if they lose a fight they get killed by the chocolate factory? No, so in I said so in between the fights it's kind of a dual contest. You have the fighting as part of a contest and then you have this factory with these temptations kind of like, you know, the original char- Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that tests them to try to test their mental capacity to not give in to these and if you do then you lose so basically if you if you have a fight coming up and it's between you know two of the two of the guys if one of them gets killed in between then the the, the other person won that fight and they move on so there so there you're still going to have the fatalities and all that of the original one where they're, they're you're going to have the their usual video game fatalities in the fights but then the people are also going to get killed almost horror movie like also as well to throw that in there um, and my thing with yours is, I don't, I don't know if your rule really did much because most of the movie's action. I feel like you can put a comedic star that's not going to be the main focus, and just throw I, him in there. Like he, he's, he's just kind of there. I don't really know if that. Added I'll address to that. Me. I, um, I, I 
think you have somewhat of a point there because I know it's a it's like a huge cast. But I think what you could do and what should be the most emotional moment in the movie and what requires the best acting is when Jax gets his arms ripped off. So maybe he's not in it like the whole time, but I think he needs to be like, he's kind of the serious one that kind of keeps the Earthrealm's head straight going into it. And then he's kind of like their leader because he's like the general. And then they go into the fight and he's like basically immediately defeated and brutally like injured and you have to have some good acting from him for that. So like while he's maybe not in it, like the full movie, like I didn't make him the main star as the comedic actor, he's going to have the most dramatic role. Like, cause everyone else is basically going to be there to fight, but he's going to be like the, you know, kind of like the emotional leader of the team and then has like this brutal thing happen to him. So you do get more serious acting out of him. And, and Jax is not going to be like a quippy guy. Like he's just going to be, very serious general army dude. So that that's that was where I did it. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. If I, yeah, but he's still even with one big dramatic scene. I just feel like in that big cast of movie, you're kind of wasting the rule to me. All right. All right, I think I have what I'm gonna pick, but I was just gonna go through and look at what some of our viewers. Oh, said. one, yeah. So one someone mentioned uh, mentioned that Mark yep. or uh, or what he did you want to say, Johnny? All the time. Here's my here's my one thing too with Bobby's movie. Um, because I, I didn't touch on this. I would be more interested in your movie if it was one way or the other, because I really like your cast. So if it was just like, here's my Mortal Kombat movie, and it doesn't have anything to do with Willy Wonka, I would have really liked that. But if you were putting it in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, you should have made it a little more goofy and cast different people. and then, Or had like, they're in the middle of fighting in a tournament, and then they just get teleported to the Chocolate Factory and have to go through the Chocolate Factory. Not the whole tournament is in the factory because it, I feel like that doesn't, that's just changing the setting. But like, how you said, like I didn't use my rule, right? Sure. You said it in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but it really has nothing to do with the original Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Well, it's not going on the tour and following it around. It's not like I just said it over in the factory and fighting and that's it. So right. it basically, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're still um, going around the tour. I didn't, I didn't have a question, but Brian had a question of, uh, are we getting deep Roy or the classic open Lopez? Deep Roy. That was the dude in the Charlie and the yeah. Chocolate Factory oh. ones. Bobby's oh, movie sounds yeah. more like the Deep Roy Chocolate Factory. Than they're, the they're a little, they're, they're a little um, creepy, I guess, but they're not. Yeah. yeah. They're not yeah. exactly the Charlie ones. Yeah. Brian wants to see Guy Ritchie do Mortal Kombat. Uh, Ugh, terrible choice. GFY wants to see Mel Gibson do Mortal Kombat. Yeah, uh, that's problematic. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's a good director, yeah. but that's that's not going to happen. That, if you want to yeah. talk about whitewashing a movie, yeah. there, choose <laughs> Bond yeah. as a fighter. Uh, Tristan thinks James Gunn's a good fit, uh, but would like to see James or uh, James Bond as one of the fighters. He'll get killed quickly. immediately. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Tristan's having fun imagining various Mortal Kombat stages set within different rooms of Willy Wonka, and also said it. And then finally, for my ruling, to start with implementation of the rule, I think Bobby went away from the rule a little bit too much, but we I don't think we really had a set and it was kind of wordy and I don't think we I don't think we'd fully explained like what the rule was and I don't think we were on the same page. So I'm not gonna hit, put that against him. But I also agree with what Bobby said about 
Damon Wayans Jr. of like maybe he has one scene, but I also feel like he was kind of buried in the movie. And so I think putting Mortal Kombat in Willy Wonka is a better implementation of the rules. So he gets that. As far as the cast, it's close, but I think with Taika Waititi as Willy Wonka and Batista, I think um, Bobby gets that. And do we even know if Iko Uwais can like speak English? Like he's kind of your lead he doesn't, guy. But here's my thing: you don't need to. Every character can just speak their native language, and it's all subtitles. That yeah. that would be my movie. I didn't mention that, but every character. That's why I cast all these Asian actors. They're all going to speak their native tongue because it's unrealistic in the game that you have all these people come from different realms and they all speak English. So they'd all be doing their native tongue, but in a fantastical type of way, they would all understand okay. what the other person is saying. Okay, that makes sense. But as far as the pitch goes, I feel like uh, Johnny is, is, is a um, just like a better version of the original, but like how high it's a feeling. real version, a real version of Mortal Kombat that we have that we need in this world because <laughs> it would be amazing. But, and Bobby ruined Mortal Kombat. But also, I don't really care about Mortal Kombat, and Bobby's version just sounded more entertaining to me. God, so See, that's doing... my problem. My problem is that I want to make a real Mortal Kombat movie. And YouTube bums don't <laughs> want to see like what could be like one of the coolest action movies ever. Yeah, but the more we're, you describe it, that. the more we'll I would. Out. I'd rather just see the Raid Three than like Gareth Evans' Mortal Kombat. I'd rather see the Raid Three and Bobby's Mortal Kombat than Gareth Evans' Mortal Kombat. So, all right, fun. yeah, brutal. All right, and Bobby and I implemented that role differently. I yeah. what I thought it, it was. I thought it was just it had to be set there, so I didn't realize it was almost in Willy Wonka's movie or something. So it's um yeah 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 yeah. So, so I'm just letting you know our our pitches for the Willy Wonka thing yeah. are going to be totally different. That's all right. So Johnny, your pick. Go. It's huh? tough because again, like, what do we have left? Independence Day, Jaws, The Princess Bride, and The Wizard of Oz. All right. So, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go Jaws. Um, Okay. So, here, let me go down and put it on the board. Back and forth. Jaws. And the score is, I believe, three to two. Bobby has the lead. If Bobby gets two more points, he wins. And so, Jaws is a 1975 film. Uh, Spielberg classic has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is too low. Too low. Wikipedia describes Jaws as a 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg and based on Peter Benchley's 1974 novel of the same name. In the film, a man-eating great white shark attacks beachgoers at a summer resort town prompting police chief martin brody played by roy scheider to hunt it with the help of a marine biologist played by richard dreyfus and a professional shark hunter played by robert shaw all right did you say um, you first here yeah you you go first bobby all right save mine okay uh so my jaws is going to be directed by fede alvarez who did uh don't breathe um, as well as uh, the remake of The Evil Dead and some other stuff. He's a very, really good director. My Martin Brody, played by Roy Schneider, is going to be Mahershala Ali. Um, 
for Matt who or for uh, Matt Hooper, who was Richard, Richard Dreyfus, is going to be Donald Glover. Kind of a he, you know, he plays kind of a nerdy kind of role in The Martian. I, I like to see him do that. Um, I'm going to skip over Quint for a second. Uh, so Ellen Brody, uh, so Martin Brody's wife, is going to be played by Janelle Monet. Uh, they work together well in uh, in Moonlight, and then for the Mayor Vaughn, who is Murray Hamilton, the original, I have Ben Affleck, who is you know he can play that kind of. Um, I, I can picture him with like the gray in his hair, kind of from Batman v Superman, playing kind of the, the the mayor who's very smiley and good with the public, but is really just all about the money. Uh, and for my Quint, here is my rule: I'm going to have a comedic actor playing this role, someone who's actually played this role kind of before that's right i have dana carvey who parodied this in master oh, no. so in master of disguise he parodied quint and he's gonna play this role but it's gonna be a toned down version i rewatched that scene because i was like how bad is it is it actually like if he wasn't being humorous in the scene could it work and i think it could if you tone down that so it's not an snl impression just like 10%, then it actually works. You're not going to dress him up literally to look exactly like Quint, but he's this old, older shark hunter who's been there. He's done this for a while. I think he can get a good performance because Fede Alvarez is just a good director and you have such a good cast around him. And also he can be, you know, kind of the one people think is kind of crazy, even though he's not, he's not playing it comedic, but you're like, really, is this guy know what he's doing? But my plot, basically, my, the plot, you really don't need to touch. Jaws is a simple premise. You really don't need to change too much. What I'm changing is it's going to be way more way more tension because Fede Alvarez does that really well in Don't Breathe. You're going to modernize the horror a little bit. You're going to have a couple of jump scares, not as many as a lot of modern horror movies. Jaws has a few in there, but you kind of modernize it. You get a few more shots from the shark's perspective um, to kind of ramp up that tension of when is he gonna, going to attack. Um, and I think that the characters having three very different guys like that will play off each other really well, because if you just try to go straight up drama, I feel like it's just going to be compared exactly to the original. Like as far as just all these try guys trying to go for an Oscar, I guess. So yeah, it's just going to be a little more tension. Uh, John Williams is going to return to do the score, but he's going to adjust his score a little bit. And the, the main Jaws theme can remain, but he'll uh, add a few more modern tweaks to it. Um, so this is basically a movie because I rewatched Jaws in this quarantine, uh, and it's a really good movie. I love Jaws, but my favorite as, movie ever. Don't you dare say one bad modern, thing about no. it. But I was trying to think of it as a modern audience. I watched a video recently of a guy who introduced Jaws to his kids. Um, they weren't scared at all. They kind of, they shot the, they thought the shark looked fake. They were bored. Um, I just feel like this, even if this just gets people to go watch the original, it's doing its job. Um, but you you might have another good shark movie because we haven't had a good shark movie since Jaws. And they've just tried a million things, including other Jaws movies. You've had some fun movies, maybe. I, I, I didn't see the Meg. I heard that might be fun, whatever. But um, it's it's just, I, I feel you could use this to tell another tell a great story again so it kind of keeps it alive instead of just for film fans all right all right johnny um here's my pitch we're taking the characters from jaws and we're putting them in willy wonka's chocolate factory boom 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 so i'm gonna just read you my pitch because this is probably the longest one i've ever wrote 
again, Jaws is my favorite movie ever made. It's pretty much perfect from start to finish. So this is what I did with it. The movie begins with Oompa Loompa's skinny dipping in the large chocolate river, celebrating the reopening uh, of the chocolate factory that's upcoming. The Oompa Loompas are enjoying their party in the water. Cut to something is swimming towards them through the chocolate. Cut to Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder, telling a council that just because we have had some problems and a few accidents, he has worked too hard to reopen his factory after 20 years of hard work. He will not let the death of a couple of little Oompa Loompas interfere with the profit they are about to make. He decides to give out four golden tickets, and the winners will be invited to a sneak peek at the factory. Brody, played by Roy Scheider, Quint, played by Robert Shaw, and Hooper, uh, played by Richard Dreyfus, are among uh, the group, as well as Larry Vaughn, uh, originally played by Murray Hamilton, who is the uh, mayor. Uh, so they win the golden tippet, tickets to the reopening of the chalk factory. The men do not know each other, uh, but meet while waiting for Mr. Walker to uh, Mr. Wonka to appear. Once the grand entrance is complete, the four men enter the chocolate factory. They are in a world of wonder with the amazement and magic all around them. When they reach the chocolate river, Vaughn is overcome with greed and jumps into the river. He is soon dragged under and the men do not know where he went. Mr. Wonka tells them everything will be okay and they start to move on. They go on a boat to explore the huge chocolate river. While Brody, Quint, and Hooper start sharing stories underneath, that's when Quint starts telling his story. <clears throat> 20 years ago, Chief, when I was a young lad, I'd be in the same factory. We'd come as a group, amazed by the world around us, until there'd be trouble, Chief. We fell off our sea vessel into the river. Men started dying. We saw something in this chocolate river. They had lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eyes. So 20 men came into the river. Three men came out. The beast took the rest. I'm here to seek vengeance on this factory and on the beast. Just then, the boat, the boat rattles. The men run out on the top. Uh, Brody sees something large come out of the water, an enormous gummy shark with razor-sharp teeth. He turns to the rest of the crew and says, we're going to need a bigger boat. The gummy shark attacks the boat. Engulfed by rage, Quint attacks the shark but is eaten alive. While eating Quint, the giant gummy shark swallows a sack of pop rocks. Hooper hands Brody a flare gun and tells him to take the shot. Brody waits for his opportunity, then shoots the flare right in the shark's mouth, which causes it explode from all the pop rocks. The movie ends with Willy Wonka being taken into custody while Hooper and Brody walk away as newfound friends. So that's my Jaws movie in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. So... All right. Well, I had a question what, lined up that I was going to ask for this movie, but you both used it of how to about the Indianapolis scene is the best scene in the movie house years, but you both addressed the Indianapolis scene. So again, I'm really not having a lot of questions here. I both understand. I understand both your movies. So what negative do you have to say about each other or positive about your own movie? Yeah. I guess. So, I mean, one thing I, I forgot to mention about mine is just you you might be updating a few of the themes, like with having uh, Mahershala Ali coming from like an inner city, you know, police, you know, area type stuff. So you're going to throw some more modern, maybe themed into it. Um, and you can throw political stuff that's been going on with COVID of people wanting to keep the beach open. So you can throw in those references. It's just going to be a more modern, modern take on the movie. Uh, for yours, Johnny, it sounds like a crazy movie. I don't know. I feel like if I were to see that, 
I wouldn't want, and I know it's part of the rule, but I wouldn't want to see those same actors in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I'd like to see this be like an Andy Samberg kind of movie in the factory. And if it's going to be serious, I don't think I would want, um, I don't know if I would want it to be set in the factory. It would kind of take me out of it. Here's my thing. Jaws is a perfect movie. You can't change it. If you update it to modern audiences, it takes away the whole point of the 1975 movie because the whole thing of we're not closing the beaches on 4th of July because that's, you know, the biggest economic event for the thing. So we got just because we've had a few deaths doesn't mean we have to shut down the whole beach. It's literally what's happening in this country right now as we speak. And you don't need to update that. Like it's literally it predicts the future and it's like, yep, you know, when money's at stake, it doesn't matter about a few lives, like whatever. So while you say you're updating it, it's just the same exact thing. So mine introduces that. And I, I put all the elements of jaws in mine, I guess, like I saw the Willy Wonka thing as a fantasy world where I don't know, maybe the original one doesn't exist and you just take the characters and put them in, or you put them in here. It was just more of a fantastical rule. So that's why my movie is like the way the way it is. And I wanted to give it the same themes of the original Jaws of Willy Wonka is basically like he is the mayor role of just because we've had a few accidents. Maybe the, the factory's not ready to open. You know, I've I've worked too hard at this. Um, so he's been trying to do it. And, it. and it's revealed like with Quint's story that the originally it was shut down because of accidents that happened. 20 years ago. So mine's closer to Jaws and like um, Jurassic Park, but putting that into like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. But yours, you just took like, like, I don't know, like John Williams score. If you're going to do, you can put the original John Williams score, but I'd, I'd say the, probably the weakest part of Jaws is everything else in that movie music wise that John Williams does, because like when it's supposed to be tension scenes, it is very hopeful music. And I don't think, John Williams is very good at making tension, like putting tension into his music other than the original Jaws theme, which when they originally made it, they were like, well, this is terrible. Like we can't even use this, but then it can't, became famous. So if you're going to put that into a Fetty Alvarez movie, don't put John Williams in there because well, then you need more, more horror themes. And I know you said just like the one score, but you said he was the, the doing the whole. I, so what I, I, yeah, no, that was a misspoke. I meant bring back the John Williams score into it yeah. to like the jaws score but i mean you know and the, his hopeful theme so what he was trying to do in that movie was when they're out at sea uh it's portrayed more of this like sea adventure and he's putting that adventure theme stuff that he did for like an indiana jones type stuff and then well, his yeah, one I... tension theme is that so so like that's why i was saying update it and you change like you don't you don't use those same exact themes you change those and as far as uh, the um I, I just don't like in yours. So Willy Wonka in the, in what we know of him in like the originals, you want to like him. He seems unlikable and acts unlikable, but is actually a good person. And you flipped that. And I feel yeah. like the, I don't want to see Willy Wonka as the bad guy and this corrupt kind of thing. I want to make like, he was kind of the, Oh, you, you, I want to make sure that everyone is good so that they can take over what I'm doing. And I, I Except- don't like him being the mayor. Except in the original one, Willy Wonka is a bad dude and it's just portrayed wrong in the movie. And at the end, his whole thing is, oh, I just gave a child the keys to my chocolate factory and he's going to run it. 
first of all, bad idea that kid's going to run into the ground and he's going to hate his life because he's just working in a factory now. And my other thing I, I didn't even touch on. Okay. I'll take you pitch a serious movie with Jaws, whatever you remake it. It's completely pointless, but okay. You basically are like, okay, I'm going to make what like black Jaws and put like an average horror director no, and he's not an average horror director. He's, he's an average. Right I, I think Don't Breathe is fine. I think it was a very overrated. And I think the I remake of Evil Dead was not great. But anyway, Dana Carvey doing the impression in Masters of the Disguise is hilarious. And I think it's super funny. But never in your movie should just you take Dana Carvey doing the impression of Quinn and put it into but that's why I say that's just a bad idea if you tone down because he's doing SNL impression in that so if you just say doing all that he's capable of I took like Dana Carvey is not capable of doing that toned down that's why Masters of Disguise is a thing that's his whole career he's never toned down like he, he right. I don't know if you took a different comedic actor, and put it in. Okay. But not just because someone did an impression in one movie, like don't, don't then cast him as your Quint, like take someone who has actually shown they can maybe act a little and Dana Carvey is funny, but he can't be in your movie. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work. All right. I think I have my final ruling. We go back and forth, but you're already going back and forth on points. I've kind of already made my mind up about so when it comes to the implementation of the rule i think johnny wins by quite a bit because i I just i i can't see dana carvey as a serious quint like even if he tries to be serious i'm gonna gonna be laughing like even like if you had made it a more comedic and not put like mahershala ali and donald glover and Janelle Monet and Ben Affleck is the other one surrounding him. Like he just kind of stands out to me. It's like, why is he here? And then, but I really like the Willy Wonka jaws. Like, I don't know. It just seems entertaining to me as far as the cast. I mean, I feel like again, going back to the rule thing, I feel, uh, what's his face, uh, drags it down. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, yeah. It looks like I wrote Puma here. And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> how I wrote. But yeah, Dana Carvey, and then it's the original Jaws cast, which was great. And Johnny wins that point as well. And I just think overall for the pitch, yours just seems like an updated version. But I agree with Johnny. We don't need an updated version. The actress that played Alex Kittner's mom, who like slaps uh, uh, Chief Brody, died like a couple weeks ago at 91 of coronavirus like that's the most yeah. like summation of i don't know if we need this updated so johnny gets the point and uh so we're tied three to three and uh tristan meyer agrees with me he says i am all in on this willy wonka jaws yeah. movie and I, uh brian nussbaum agrees I, I i thought this this had one of two ways it was going to go like this where this one just gets destroyed or somehow it works and johnny's pitch was terrible but i just thought it was too funny not to do so i, I did i just love jaws so much and i was just like i got the idea of this and i'm just like boom i'm pitching this movie as really wonka and i just wrote that whole thing from like basically memory and i really wanted to just basically do the the quint speech but change it up a little. Yeah. So I like so, that. That was good. So was while good. Bobby picks what movie he wants to do and who goes first or second, I was going to give you a quick pitch of what I was would have done is I would have done the cast of a sitcom and I would have used Parks and Rec. And basically my thing is I would have done what Airplane was to zero hour and make basically a Jaws spoof with, uh, I know he's Parks and Rec. I would have had Chris Pratt as Chief Brody 
Adam Scott as Hooper, and then uh, Nick Offerman as Quint. Okay. And I sent you because I'm like, you can't like remake Jaws, so I'm just gonna make Jaws a remake Jaws, but make it a spoof of itself and other action movies. Yeah. Hmm. Like yeah, I I think that's like the only way to go. Like you have to do something fantastical, or like make it a comedy, um, completely. All right, so. I'm going between do I do I pick what I think is one of my stronger ones or try to end with that? But uh, and we're three to three tied up. If I didn't, yeah. Say that. You know what? I'm gonna go with uh, Wizard of Oz. All right. All right. Um. So I will give a brief, yeah. and then are you going first or is Johnny going first? Um, I'll go first on this one. All right. I'll give a quick backstory to whoever doesn't know about Wizard of Oz, but it's a. Uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, again, too low. And uh, for those of you who've been living under a rock for the last 81 years, uh, Wikipedia says 1939's The Wizard of Oz is an American musical fantasy film produced by MGM. Widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time, it is the most commercially successful adaptation of Al Frank Baum's children fantasy novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It's directed primarily by Victor Fleming and... The film stars Judy Garland as Dorothy Gale alongside Roy Bolger, Jack Haley, and Burt Lahr. All right. So um, my movie, uh, I'll start. So my director is going to be um, Rick Famuyima, who directed Dope, um, as well as an, uh, part of The Mandalorian, and he's going to keep doing that. Uh, just a good director. Um, and I'm going to also give someone who's going to do my music. So he's going to write some new songs and, and uh, to compose the music. And that's Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is, who did Hamilton uh, and as well as uh, um, all the songs in Moana. He's just a really good songwriter. And my cast is David Diggs and that's it. So David Diggs is going to play every role in this movie. So he's obviously from blind spotting and Hamilton. Uh, he can act, he can sing, he can dance and he can rap because some of these are going to be changed into rap songs. But even if the, that sounds like it's going to be a parody or a comedy, it's not. And I'll tell you why. So, um, David Diggs is going to be playing, instead of Dorothy, it'll be Danny. And he is a father who is sick and kind of like Dorothy in the original. And he's trying to get back to his home with his wife and child. So he shows up in Oz and in dreams, some weird trippy things can happen. So in this weird, trippy kind of dream, because Oz is kind of a dream world. It's never really explained in the original, but it's kind of implied that it's mostly a dream world that exists. It's a weird in between. But in this world, everyone looks like him. Some of these people are going to be played by CGI. They're more CGI motion capture, but you're going to be able to tell that it's to be Diggs. Um, and what, what I'm updating with this is the themes of the movie. So because it's a father going back, and it's himself as everyone, um, it's going to be representative of the different parts of you and the different aspects of your life that you may not be confident in or that you, you know, like you don't, don't feel. Did he cut out for you? Yep. Johnny cut out. So the last one I was just saying was the, like the wizard, you put up a false front, um, but you're really maybe um, not as confident or insecure on the inside kind of deal. You're just the man behind the curtain. So it's, it's representative of that, but it's still going to be a really fun movie because those are the themes in the background that you could look into it. And that's what it's representing. 
but it's a fun, the music and like in Hamilton, the rapping is fantastic. The songs, the singing is fantastic. V Diggs can sing. So he's going to still do like somewhere over the rainbow type song, you know, and that'll be like the original, but songs like maybe the lollipop guild is going to be more like a, you know, a nineties rap group doing this and it's David Diggs and that'll be real, real fun and just fun to watch. Um, you get still like the kind of Ruby slippers are going to be more like moccasins, you know, for guys feet and the, and David Diggs likes them because they're these decked out kind of shoes. Um, and it's just, it's a fun adventure. The story itself is very similar. Just the themes kind of change the songs change um, other than like the classic somewhere over the rainbow. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's pretty much wizard of Oz, but with a different perspective added to it. All right. Uh, Johnny, what do you got? What's your Wizard of Oz? We went, we went a little uh, different directions on this one. So I'm turning Wizard of Oz into uh, more of a comedy uh, than it is because, again, the first Wizard of Oz is pretty perfect. You can't really do much to it. So I'm turning it into a comedy, um, and I'm going to tell it from the witch's perspective. We're going villain's perspective on, so, on this one. So wicked. Uh, yeah, but different because again, with that, it's like, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen wicked and I forgot that existed, but either way, we're going to go a different storyline. So the sister of the most popular woman in Oz, the good witch, um, is angry because she has a deadly allergy to water. This means she can never bathe or shower causing her to become evil since no one will come close to her. She gains magical powers and uses it to try to take over Oz. When a young girl, Dorothy, finds her way to their realm, she creates an army of monkeys to stop her. She watches through a crystal ball as Dorothy the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man find the wizard. Um, she steps in to stop them, but Dorothy spills a bucket of water on her, and she melts. So that's, you know, it's same plot-wise, but it's more comedic. It goes more into how you live your life as a character that cannot touch water. Because that is the only thing in Wizard of Oz I need to know. It is the <laughs> unanswered question I need to have. So she becomes evil and is green because she can't bathe. So she's just like green, like gross, you know, like haven't cleaned herself. Um, so my Wicked Witch is going to be Jenny Slate. Uh, she was like Mona Lisa in Parks and Rec. She does voice on Big Mouth. She was in Venom, I think, right? That would be yeah, she says, oh, yeah, she says uh, symbiote or something. Symbiote. Weird. Yeah, I think I slept through that part. Um, my Dorothy is going to be Elisa Vikander. Uh, my Tin Man is going to be Dave Bautista. My Cowardly Lion is going to be Bill Hader. And my Scarecrow is going to be Will Forte. And, uh, and my Good Witch is Reese Witherspoon. Uh, my director, uh, funny enough, is Max Barkabow, who did Palm Springs. Um, cause I needed a, him to actually do a comedy movie. Um, and, and again, my movie is going to be like kind of the origin story of the witch and it's going to be her going through life as someone who stinks and, you know, uh, hates her life because of it. Cause she is jealous that she can't touch water and you're still going to have like songs, but they're going to be more parody songs and it's going to become from her side. She's going to see the characters through like the crystal ball. So you're still going to have scenes with like the, other characters in it, but it is from her perspective. Like she, you're not going to introduce Dorothy as the one who falls into Kansas and stuff. She's just going to kind of, you know, appear there and see everything through a crystal ball and then cut back to her and her like castle with her monkey henchmen. 
Um, and I wanted to give like, I know Bobby cast Batista as Goro, but I think Batista's best and most underrated thing is his comedic timing. Um, so I wanted him to be in a comedic role where he actually speaks and not just a CGI role that doesn't speak. So I put him as my Tin Man. And that's right. my that's my movie. So my question for Bobby, you cut out a little bit during the when you were talking about like the different parts they play. Okay. Of like the different like you were t- saying, like the wizard is like putting on a front and all of that. So I was just wondering if you could go back and talk more about that. Yeah. So, I missed. Um, basically, there's the different aspects. I don't know if you heard. All I heard all was the wizard. That's the only one. That okay. So the lion uh, is basically you not having the courage, you know, to do what's right for your, to be a good father, to be a good husband. Um, and then the, the uh, tin man, it would be not thinking that you're smart enough to maybe get by in your job, um, paranoia about maybe you'll get fired. You're not good enough. Uh, and then, um, for the wizard, yeah, the false front. So someone he said the parts of you that might put up a false front at that show that you're really confident, but you're really insecure in the, behind the curtain, uh, the wicked, the wicked witch type role would be more like the part of you that if one bad thing goes wrong, you just feel like you might snap. So it's like, what would I do if I was evil kind of thing? Um, and it's, these are not explicitly like talked about in the movie. It's just the themes behind it. And you get it throughout yeah. the story. You get the general idea. Um, then also, I don't know, like, so because it's to be digged the whole time when he returns at the end of the movie back home, it's just kind of a, it's on his face and you see him waking up and saying hello to his family. So you don't actually see him playing his wife and child. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Johnny is like the Jenny slate wicked, Witch. is that like who are rooting for through this movie or is she still like, is it like when Bobby used the rule of they're the main character, but we're still rooting against them? Or are we are we rooting against your witch or are we rooting for your witch? I think you're kind of rooting against her. Like she's clearly a bad guy. You feel more sympathy for her, but she doesn't have like the it's not like a maleficent where you have this reveal that she's actually a good guy and then she's a good person at the end. Like she still melts the same as she did in the the old ones. You know, you have more of a sympathetic story as to why she becomes um, the witch and it's, you know, it's humorous, but it's more, it's more, uh, sympathetic. And then she's just straight up evil the, the rest of the way. All right. Yeah. It's interesting because we basically have like a comedic version of wicked. And then we have a version of the whiz that just stars like one guy is everything. So it's basically like similar takes that we've seen before with the wizard of Oz, but I just want to hear what you guys have negatively to say against each other. Cause that's my favorite part. So. Yeah. So I, I actually have never seen The Wiz, so I don't know. Me either. I just and Johnny's like... never seen Wicked, which is funny because as he was pitching it, you even unintentionally included plot points from Wicked into it. Really? So you you're gonna people are gonna watch your movie, and people have been clamoring for a Wicked movie for a long time, and be like, why didn't they just make Wicked? Because people have been wanting it. So I think your movie is just gonna make people angry, especially ones that do know that play. But yours is gonna make every fan of Hamilton angry, like. I feel like Hamilton is an important story and it tells like real life history and deals with race and everything. And your movie is going to be like, all right, now we're just going to start Hamilton, Hamilton ing everything else. So we're just going to be like, all right, this is the Hamilton where's the Oz, And then next we're going to do the Hamilton, you know, Avengers. And then next we're going to do the Hamilton fantastical stories that don't actually exist. I, I think it'd be cool if they did more Hamilton stories, but like did it as like actual stories in history and replace them with like the same themes and, and had the same music. But like yours sounds like a great 
David Diggs one man show that's a play in front of 200, 300 people in a small theater, but not as like an actual cinematic like movie. I think that could actually be pretty cinematic because I, I, I think when you first show up in Oz and it's him as everyone, that's going to be kind of kind of trippy in a way, very cinematic, very kind of crazy. Um, you get the big set designs, you get the big stuff. So it's going to be a big movie that you probably want to see on the big screen. Um, and also it's not really Hamilton-ing it. The only thing is just that it happens to star someone who is in it and Lin-Manuel Miranda does the music, but Lin-Manuel Miranda does so many different kinds of music. I only said a few things are going to be rap. It's not like he's the whole movie is now going to be the rap songs. And I don't know if you've seen Hamilton yet, but uh, Hamilton-ing something would then mean that every piece of dialogue in the movie is some type of song. Cause that's the main gimmick of the movie of, of Hamilton. There mm-hmm. is no spoken dialogue. It's all rap or singing from one to the other. And it's telling an actual historic story. I feel like you're just making the connection because of the people involved and it's actually not going to remind you of Hamilton. Except it would because you're using the people involved. So only like one person and he's not the star. Two people. Well, Literally he's not the only the two he's people music, but yeah, like music. you have, you have the main star of Hamilton as your not, only star, right? No, he's not, the main, he's not the main star of Hamilton. Not at okay, all. Okay, but he is he is a star of Hamilton. He's Thomas Jefferson and stuff in it, right? Yeah, he's a okay, he's so, a good so he's a big but right. he's a big part of Hamilton. So you're and I'd say he is most famous for Hamilton, even if he's not the main star. And you took the guy who did the music. So yes, it is one hundred percent gonna be compared to Hamilton. There's no denying but I feel like you should have went, but again, like, I feel like you should have went one way or the other. Like you needed it to not have anything to do with Hamilton or be completely like, like Hamilton, the way the music and the, and the singing is, because then you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to tell this story. And then you could have fought for being like, well, we told the real historical Hamilton tale. Now we're going to do it to, you know, an important movie that deals with themes. But like, I, I thought about doing, the Wizard of Oz and making every character the same actress who plays Dorothy. That was going to be my original pitch. And that's what I originally connected to this because I felt that it does make sense for them to go into the world and see every character as themselves because they're already doing that. Like the, the um, Tin Man Lion and Scarecrow are just her uncles. So instead it's like, you know, in your movie, it would be David Diggs just seeing those characters as himself instead of other people. But then I decided against it because I think the, best thing of the wizard of Oz is like the, the cast of characters. So when you have such distinct different characters like scarecrow and the coward lion and tin man, and even like the witches, like making those all the same person, I think hinders your movie more than like with speed racer. It didn't matter that any of the characters are the same actor with yours. I think it would hinder all those characters. This is what a point you're actually making me bring up a point that I forgot to bring up in my actual pitch which is the reason that it would still, it wouldn't feel the same as you're seeing each character. Cause in Hamilton, David Diggs plays two extremely different characters and he does two very different voices. So even though you're seeing that it's David Diggs, he can put on a, a voice, a character, play a whole different type of character. It's just that you see physically, it looks like David Diggs. So like in the first half of Hamilton, he's a Frenchman named Lafayette and he sounds completely different than his take on Thomas Jefferson. Um, the only reason you even know it's the same guy is because he has the same hair and looks this, like the same face, but he, you know, changes all his clothes, changes the way he looks. So the, that aspect 
he can play enough different characters that it will feel like a cast of characters. That's the whole point, and one of the reasons I chose him. Yeah, but I I think with that role, what I'm trying to say is like, like I decided against it in The Wizard of Oz because you have such different, unique characters that I didn't want to take that away from the movie. And while, yeah, I'm sure he is good at playing, you know, different roles, like I think it hinders the actual movie of The Wizard of Oz by being like, there's too many famous characters to make them all one person and too many memorable characters. Like I, I felt with Speed Racer, there's one important role, maybe two, and it doesn't matter if it's the same person. So, you know, with that, I, I changed my rule to that. With this, I was going to do them all Dorothy, but then I was like, no, I can't do that because there's just too many, too many famous characters for one person to do them all. And, uh, and even if David Diggs is good at playing like two characters in Hamilton, he's going to have to play what, like at least seven, like pretty important roles and be all of the, the Mm -hmm. dwarfs and do all that. Like, I just think there's too many characters in this for that to really, I know it's, again, it's a fantastical world, a fantastical movie, but I think the wizard of Oz has too many characters for that rule to really work for your story. And I feel like your rule was unintentionally just made something that people will angrily protest because it's not wicked. And it doesn't really sound as entertaining to make that a comedy to me. I feel like if if you made that a li- actually more serious, like Wicked, I would actually more enjoy that story. But um, you're telling a story that you think, I don't know, it just I don't think it fits. I don't think the comedy fits with it. I don't think the story being told is different enough just because we have we know of the Wicked storyline. Um, so I, I just don't know if people will will be entertained by that. Okay, we can talk in circles all day, but I have my ruling. So. When it comes to the implementation of the rule, I think Bobby wins mainly because his sounds interesting to me. And I think there's a, the characters look diverse enough with like, you're not going to confuse the lion or you're not going to, you know, with the scarecrow or the tin man or Dorothy or Danny, I guess they all look differently. And with Johnny's, I feel like telling the movie from the villain's perspective I agree with Bobby, like, you can go watch that. It's called Wicked. And so, to the cast, I mean, it's hard, It's this is the hardest one to compare because it's hard to compare, like, a group of solid actors to, like, one guy who's also a solid actor. But I think, for what Johnny's pitching, his cast fits everybody, and that's a harder thing to do if pick a group of people and have them all fit then have one person that fits. So I think Johnny wins the cast. So it comes down to the pitch. And I think throughout it, I saw Bobby's more and it made more sense to me than like a comedic wizard of Oz from the villain's perspective, which is like, it just feels like it's trying not to be wicked while also being wicked. So why not just make wicked? And so Bobby gets the point on that one. I had to hammer that point home. (laughs) And so I, I, uh, Johnny's or uh, Bobby's up four to three. If uh, Bobby wins another point, he wins the game. That was probably my least passionate pitch. So, and I didn't, and I forgot Wicked even existed and do not care about that at all. So, I was just, as soon as Bobby said that, I was like, I'm fighting an uphill battle. And like, so, I just were, attacked his, but I have nothing to defend in, in my movie. Like, yeah. And the thing you were saying about like the Hamiltoning, it's like, I mean, Lin Manuel Miranda has done stuff outside of Hamilton. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I was Diggs has done stuff outside of Hamilton. So, like, you were talking about that, and I, I was about to make my ruling, but then you diverted away from that point. 
But uh, yeah, we have someone. Uh, Tristan said closest for me, but I think I'd go with Lin Manuel Miranda version. David Dix with, with the best part of Hamilton would do a great job with a range of characters here. So, Johnny, you're up. I think you have a choice between Independence Day and another one. Uh, Princess Bride. Uh, yeah, okay, Princess we'll go. Bride. We'll go. Um, we'll go Princess Bride here. All right. Uh, give me a second to. Switch yeah, things around. Princess Bride is a movie that I Bobby do not Bobby care and I about. think are gonna we're gonna have the first similarity on a rule. I I think if I'm um, keeping track correctly, well, unless well, we my, change these ones, we pitch, you know we we probably have the same one. My pitch for what I was gonna do because they're similar in tone, they're similar type of movies. Is I was just gonna have the cast of The Wizard of Oz go through Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory is what I probably that would be would, pretty good. would have ended up doing. Uh, anyways, The Princess Bride is uh, has a ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which in this judge's opinion is way too high. Uh, Wikipedia says The Princess Bride is a 1987 American fantasy adventure comedy film directed and co-produced by Rob Reiner, starring Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, and Christopher Guest. Adapted by William Goldman from his 1973 novel The Princess Bride, it tells the story of a farmhand named Wesley accompanied by a companions befriended along the way who must rescue his true love princess buttercup from the odious prince humperdinck the film essentially preserves the novel's narrative style by presenting the story as a book being read by a grandfather played by peter falk aka columbo to a sick grandson played by fred savage and so who goes first do you want to go first or second johnny um i'll go i'll go uh uh, first on this one. So The Princess Bride, I think, is a pretty classic story. Um, it's a famous novel as well as the as the movie, but I think what the movie did that it needed to do back then was be like, all right, The Princess Bride, how do we get boys into a movie called The Princess Bride? So they used that as the grandpa reading the story to the kid because it was kind of introducing the world to a story where you know, when I was a kid, maybe I don't, I'm not interested in the princess bride, but then I see the movie and I understand it more. So I'm taking out, but now the whole world knows about the a princess bride. So I'm taking out the whole grandpa reading the story to his kid thing. It's just going to be the story of a princess bride. Um, I don't need the, you know, grandpa reading the book to his son thing. Everyone knows a princess bride. It's going to have an audience uh, just for that reason. So my Wesley, I need someone who can do some action and also is charming and good looking and also has comedic timing. So I'm going with Chris Hemsworth, AKA Thor. Um, I'm going as Inigo Montoya. I'm going with Oscar Isaac, my Prince Humperdinck. Um, that's going to be Marwin Kanzari. He played Jafar in the new Aladdin movie. And I really liked him in that as the villain. Um, and my count uh, Rugen, Rugen, you know, on that one, Bobby. Count Rugen. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Whatever. Either way, um, that's going to be played by Johnny Depp. And my Vizzini, I need someone with uh, a memorable voice and who's funny. So I'm going with Chris Tucker. That's going to be my Vizzini. That's Mr. The Inconceivable Guy. My Fezzik, I feel like there's only one right choice. And if you cast anyone else in this role, you're wrong. Fezzik is now going to be the big show from WWE. Um, he is today's, uh, 
Yeah, he's, uh, you know, it was originally Andre the Giant, so it's got to be him now. My Princess Buttercup is going to be someone who was the star of that shitty Alita movie, but she was the best part of it, Rosa Salazar. She was also in this amazing short uh, Amazon show called Undone, um, and I highly recommend that. Rosa Salazar is the only reason Alita was not the most unwatchable garbage I've ever seen. She was compelling throughout it. So she's my Princess Buttercup. And here's my rule. I'm going to resurrect a director's career here. Now, I thought to myself, this movie has pirates. It has sword fights. It has, you know, fun action. So we're going to resurrect the career of Gore Verbinski, who did the original Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, and he hasn't really done anything in a long time. His last movie that you could even say was relevant was Rango, and that was almost 10 years ago. Um, and he, like, since then, he did a, a few shitty movies, if if anything. He did that really bad movie with Harry Osborn from The Amazing Spider-Man uh, 2. Here for Wellness. I actually kind of like that yeah. movie, but it's it's not fantastic. It bombed. Yeah, it kind of bombed, and, and yeah. you know, he's seen as this thing. So, yeah, he did that in like, the life of Walter Mitty. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, well, we're res- we're giving you a movie you can work with. I'm basically taking the tone of the original Pirates of the Caribbean and putting that into a Princess Bride. Um, so it's the same plot. It's based off a book. You have, you tell pretty much the same story with a few tweaks. Um, I took out the grandpa and the grandkid. The sword fights are not as comedic. You actually have more action sequences, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean. So like the the sword fights in that movie are amazing. The original, like the first fight with Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom in that movie is really great. So I want to incorporate more of that because I feel like the princess bride already works with everything else. So let's improve on some of the fight scenes and make those less comedic and, and more stylistic. Um, and my change at the end is Wesley's pretty much paralyzed at the end when he goes to save princess buttercup. So he just basically, convinces um prince humperdinck not to fight him like he kind of cons him and then they escape he's gonna try to do that at the end of this movie but prince humperdinck does not fall for it so princess buttercup takes wesley's sword and fights prince humperdinck and kills him because i want to give her something more to do because while i grew up with princess bride and i love that movie to death princess buttercup is like basically a useless save her character in the first one. So I want to make her kind of more of a, of a badass and more independent character, just kind of like how Kira Knightley is in Pirates of the Caribbean. So I felt like he's a director that's already portrayed a character that can kind of do that. And I picked an actress who can not only show she can fight and do action scenes, but makes a believable um, character to, to do so. So Bobby, you're, you're up. Bobby. All right. So uh, this is interesting because, yeah, I think we're going to have the same rule for two movies. Yeah. Um, so My Princess Bride. Uh, I'll start with my cast first. Who was your Wesley again? I was trying to remember. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Um, so mine I went with a couple more. This is more of an upper up-and-coming lead cast between the two, and then it kind of cast stars around them. So okay. my Wesley is going to be Jack Quaid uh, from The Boys. Um, I think he played that lead well. I think he has comedy and drama in there, and he's pr- and he can uh, act off these different characters. For my Princess Buttercup, I also have an actress from The Boys. I have Erin Moriarty, who played um, Starlight in that show. So they have good chemistry already. They played off each other really well. 
Um, for my Prince Humperdinck, uh, I have Dev Patel. Um, I think he can play like this this Prince, you know, villain character really well. He he is the best part of that absolutely god awful movie that Johnny's already smiling about, uh, The Last Airbender. And he actually God. is the only good part in that movie. I'd like to see him do that in a much better movie. I didn't know um, resurrect an actor's career was a rule in this one. He's been, he's yeah. not resurrecting a career. He's been good <laughs> in, in stuff. I mean, he was just in Lion. That was the yeah, I like Lion. best picture. Lion so he's not, that's definitely not a resurrection. Um, for Inigo Montoya, I have Diego Luna, who was in Rogue One. Um, and then, so I did also cast the big show. Yeah, he did. He is kind of the only choice. I wanted a wrestler in there. I kind of, and he's kind of the obvious one. Um, And this is where my rule comes in because the casting. So my Vizzini is going to be a much more charismatic kind of guy that you that you're following, Um, and kind of the first villain-ish role for this character for this actor. And it's going to be Will Smith because my director that I'm resurrecting the career of was mentioned last week with his film Wild Wild West, and that's Barry Sonnenfeld. So he did the Men in Black movies. He did um, Get Shorty. Um, he did The Addams Family. He he's done, did a lot of good movies in the 90s. And the last movie he did was that terrible Nine Lives, which the studio ruined because they're like, wait, this dark, crazy movie can't be like this. So they tried to force it into a comedy. Um, and then in 2012 was his last OK movie, which was Men in Black 3. So that's just about the same time as like Rango. So what I want with this movie is I want the kind of sincerity and uh, and that type of humor from 90s movies, because I feel like that just fits this story. And I'm definitely not getting rid of what of the framing device for the movie. I have the grandson and, and grandfather. So I have uh, Gavin Warren, who is in First Man. He's just a really cute kid uh, who can be the, the kid. And then I have Bill Nye. Uh, as the grandfather, he's just great. I think he'd be a, he's really good. I recently just watched About Time again, where he plays the father. He would be a great narrator. Um, and this movie is just going to be, it's it's definitely got the more more action, swashbuckling kind of stuff, kind of like you were talking about, but a lot more comedy involved like the original. Um, I feel like Gore Verbinski's comedy has grown old after the very first Pirates I think it's it's really forced, and I think Barry Sonnenfeld. If you if you have him, uh, you know, a, a script that's very you know the same style as those '90s movies, I think it it works very well. Um, you just have better you know sword fighting scenes. You have better you have a very charismatic Vizzini, who I think that'll just be really fun to have Will Smith bantering with with these different people um, going back and forth because. Wallace Shawn, that's such a very specific thing that if you try to recreate it, I think it's just going to come off as a, a weird um, uh, impression, like an SNL thing. If you're just making, I'm going to make this guy with a weird voice. So I think he's just, we're going to change that character. Um, and it's going to be, it's a uh, very similar, but you're just kind of changing the tone. I did have that, you know, Princess Buttercup is going to be more involved. I didn't have her sword fighting and winning at the end, but I did have her in fight scenes. Um, you're going to update some of the comedy. So it's not just them like tumbling down a hill type of thing. Like the, if you watch that now, I feel like that doesn't quite work in a modern movie. So yeah, it's, you're going to tell the story. Cause to me, I know Joe doesn't like this movie as much as we do, but I think the story or at all something that uh, <laughs> needs to be told. And it's just something that works really simple, simply really well for all audiences. Um, 
but yeah, so that's my pitch. All right. Before uh, we start, I just want to say I hate to both of you because I had Gore Verbinski and Barry Sonnenfeld in my back pocket for if I was ever in a match that used this rule. <laughs> nice. And I was both like, oh, I was like, if we ever use this rule, I'm like, uh, Gore Verbinski, Barry Sonnenfeld both got at least one good movie left in them. And then you both just fucking wasted them. I mean, I guess you didn't waste them, but now I can't really use them. Um, I guess because both of your movies are very similar to the original for the most part. So my question for the both of you is how is your movie better and different than each other's? So my thing is the, one of the things that makes princess bride to me is that it's a story being told and those intercuts and that framing device be, it, it just, it differentiates it from like a pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like your movie being made now, is just going to be, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, but with Princess Bride's story. Um, and I just, even though it's a small detail, I think the framing device really differentiates Princess Bride from other movies and that you need to keep that. Yeah, but again, I mean, like I said, the only reason that that's in the original one is to show that, like, that's the audience. You know, when you're trying to show that to, like, if you're a dad trying to show that to your sons and the kid's like, I'm not re- I'm not reading a book or watching a movie called The Princess Bride. It sounds too girly, right? So in the movie, that's what they do. They have the grandpa reading that to the, the grandson who's not interested at all. And he reads him the story. The kid likes it and it cuts, you know, back and forth. But now you don't need to do that because everyone knows what The Princess Bride is, whether they've seen it or not everyone knows the story of it and people know what it is and people don't think to themselves when they hear it, like in 87, like, Oh, that's, you know, for girls now, now people know the name and it has a name behind it. So you don't, that's why I feel like if you modernized it, the only way to really make it different than the original and like not so much improve on the movie as a whole, but change it for modern audiences is to just tell the story from like the book and not, tell the same story as the movie because in the book you don't you you know you don't have any of that and and i i honestly think my biggest problem with your movie is just the casting because i don't think dev patel is good at playing a villain like i don't care to see him um in that and honestly i i feel like my other big problems are one i really like the boys but jack quaid is not wesley like he's not Mr. Charming lead man, like Carrie Elwes is so perfect in that role. I need someone who can pretty much recreate that magic. And Jack Quaid, while he's great in the boys is not like, is he's not that character. He's not like the suave, you know, pirate dude that makes people fall in love believably. Um, Although I do like your choice for, for the princess. And then my other thing is, you know, you said it's such a specific role. It's hard to, you know, recast it with Wallace Shawn. And then you basically did like what Aladdin did with Will Smith as Robin Williams as the genie. Cause it was another role I feel like is iconic for one actor and Will Smith would never agree to it because he didn't want to be in Django and chain because he felt the role was too small and he wanted to be the one to kill um, Calvin candy at the end. So like then to pitch it as like, Oh, you're a side character and you get outsmarted by this dude. There's no way Will Smith yeah. agrees to be but in your movie. The There's reason no I way. think he would is because he's he, the relationship with Barry Sonnenfeld. I think if Sonnenfeld went to him and was like, look, you get to play this kind of iconic role, 
um, that I'm I'm doing, and I really just want you for it. I want you in this movie. I think you fit. I think he would actually do that. I I, it, I think that would actually make sense a little bit to change up because even before he wouldn't even do a movie like Suicide Squad before where he was not the lead star. I know he's big in it, but like, but he he's, is the he's lead. changed. He's he's been changing a little bit of what he wants to do in movies. So I think that could work. But really, it's just like I do. I just don't see your movie hitting the way the original did as far as for for kids to watch the movie because again yeah the that was the intention of the of putting the grandson and, and grandfather in there was to get kids to kind of watch it and um them, them being the audience but so if you don't have that kids may not want to watch it at this point and this movie is i mean yeah it's a great movie overall but kids should watch this. They should, should want to watch this. Boys should want to watch it. Um, and I just don't know if that change needed to happen. All right. I yeah, think that I, just one real quick thing. I mean, right. maybe Joe has his choice. I just want to say on yours, cause I know we're running long. I, yeah, I think agree. because the point I just wanted to hit on was yes. Pirates of the Caribbean, it would be similar to that, but the best Pirates of the Caribbean is the first one because you have just enough like, uh, you have the pirates turning to skeletons, but other than that, you don't have enough fantasy. Like you don't have all this bullshit fantasy in the sequels. They didn't work because you had all of this fantastical elements, but everything else, the characters are all good. So that's yeah. why in this Gore Verbinski is like, all right, the princess bride, it has just enough fantastical elements for that world to work, but he's not going to need like big, crazy monsters. So that's why, like, you know, that's, that's why I felt he would be perfect for it. Okay. I'm going to let Joe take it now since we're running long. All right, yeah. so basically how I broke this down is I think Bobby's cast is better. But wow. I think but I think Johnny's pitch is better. I like him having uh Princess Buttercup uh doing something and not just being like a girl that needs to be saved. And so that broke it down to the use of the rule and it essentially came down to which director do I think is better for the Princess Bride? And I like Barry Sonnenfeld but I feel like for The Princess Bride, Gore Verbinski is a better director. Oh, yeah. All right, so we're so going that down brings the last to one. Four to four. I and I'm a, not doing this on purpose. It's purely... I had to fight for my life. This is an interesting one for it to come down to. Old... I can't believe we both did the same fucking thing for this. <laughs> I know. We've yeah, had a few just... same casting choices and uh, and now two rules in common here. Yeah, this is, uh, if I remember right, this is the rule I would have picked for this movie as well. And so, Bobby, are you going to go first or second on uh, uh, Independence I'm going to go Day? first. I'm going right. to go first in this. No, I mean, for those of you who un-Americans who have never watched Independence Day, <laughs> I'll break it down for you. Uh, the movie received a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is too low. It deserves uh, like a 17, 76%. Uh, the movie came out in 1996. Uh, here's what Wikipedia had to say. It's an American epic science fiction action film directed and co-written by Roland Emmerich. The film features an ensemble cast that includes Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Margaret Collin, Randy Quaid, Robert Loja, James Raborn, and Harvey Firestein. The film focuses on disparate groups of people who converge in the Nevada desert in the aftermath of a worldwide attack by an extraterrestrial race of unknown origin. With the other people of the world, they launch an all-out counterattack on July 4th, Independence Day in the United States. So there you go. There's Independence Day. All right. So uh, 
just based on rules, since we kind of know it's coming, mine is going to be a period piece. Um, so I'll get to that as I go down my cast. So I, I didn't cast that entire group that you just mained. I, I cast the main people here, like kind of the leads of the story. So um, as my Stephen Hiller, who is Will Smith, I have John Boyega uh, from the Star Wars movies and um, Attack the Block uh, in Detroit. Um, and then as my David Levinson, who is Jeff Goldblum, I have Simon Pegg. Um, for my Russell Cass, who is Randy Quaid, I have Nick Frost. For my Bill Pullman character, um, this gets into my rule. This is going to be Liam Neeson as King Arthur. So this movie is going to take place in medieval times. So this is going to be a period piece set in medieval times. Uh, my director for this is Edgar Wright, as you might have guessed from having both Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in the movie. It's going to be more in the tone of uh, Baby Driver with that type of action, and it's still going to have the comedy of Simon Pegg um, and then Nick Frost in there. So this movie is going to, obviously, they, it takes place in medieval times. Stephen Hiller is an experienced knight, um, and David Levinson is an astrologer who's working for the king, as they've been seeing from some strange occurrences in the sky. Russell Cass is a peasant who claims to have been taken into the sky by, by unexplained creatures. The alien blows up King Arthur's castle and the other kingdoms join in on the fight. Um, using, using Levinson's uh, calculations, they're able to take down one of the alien crafts so they have one and they can figure out how it works. There are going to be some more ground battle scenes in this. Aliens are actually going to land on Earth and um, fight the knights so that you actually get some knight battle scenes. Uh, they... Um, are able to uh, take down some ships, some of the alien ships. They have a fleet of knights that are now flying spaceships. You have knights flying spaceships. Some some of them are terrible because this is medieval times and they're used to horses, and some of them take to it pretty quickly um, after training from Hiller, who is one of the ones that does pretty well. Um, and during the final fight, Russell steals, and steals one and joins as well. Um, so just like the original movie, they figure out a way to take down the mothership's shields. It's not through like a weird USB floppy disk thing this time, but they just, they find out what technology Levinson works with the ship, finds out what technology actually is used to take down the shields on the small one, and then applies that to the front of the, sh of their main ship. So it's kind of the same deal. They have to get close enough. Uh, Hiller is the one that ends up, Go, going and taking down the shield, but is not able to shoot it down. And just like the original, you have uh, Russell sacrifice himself and fly his plane into the mothership. So the story plays out like Independence Day, just back in Knights, but the Knights now gain their independence from these aliens who are coming down. Um, it does happen to take place on July 4th, just because he has to throw that in there um, at this point. But it's an Edgar Wright movie, so it's just fun and entertaining, and he's shown that he can now also do action. But it's that Edgar Wright movie tone. So you get um, a lot of comedy. You get great charisma from John Boyega. I think he's a really charismatic actor when he's not just yelling Ray throughout a whole movie. Um, and then Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are obviously great together, even if they you know, aren't the two leads. I think just having those characters in there is just perfect. Um, and Liam Neeson, I think, could give a badass speech as King Arthur, to, just like Bill Pullman does in Independence Day. All right. Yanni? All right. Here's something already. Bobby Royally fucked up on one thing. The day is July 4th. The year is 1776. I thought that was too obvious. 
it's called Independence Day. You clearly haven't seen the movie. <laughs> the United States has just signed the Declaration of Independence to free themselves from the British. It is a day of celebration until something strange comes from the sky and hovers over Independence Hall. Citizens look at this unknown flying object as it sends down a, a, sends down a giant blast, destroying Independence Hall and the newly signed Declaration. The UFO proceeds to land and set up base where the former monument lay in ruin. Um, armies of alien warriors attack every, everything in the city. Uh, they attack everything and destroy the city. The founding fathers must team up using inferior technology to take out armies of aliens. After all hope seems lost, the men and women are inspired by a stirring speech from General George Washington. Motivated, the newly founded United States soldiers, uh, citizens, and founding fathers storm the alien base. In the end, they infiltrate the ship, take out the aliens, and save the day, the country, and the world. George Washington is named the first president. He declares this to be a day that will live in secret. Area 51 is created to hide the fact that aliens exist and starts to prepare for any future invasions. So I'm taking, I'm changing the characters um, because it's a period piece. So I really didn't need any of my characters to be the same as the original. So instead I'm going to just say my main founding fathers that are going to be the main characters. Um, so that's George Washington played by Nicholas Cage, Alexander Hamilton played by none other than Lin-Manuel Miranda Ben Franklin, that's going to be John Krasinski. John Hancock is going to be Mark Wahlberg. And my Thomas Jefferson, Josh Dumel from the Transformers films, because my director is Michael Bay, baby. We're going to make this all about America and action, and we're going to stay true to the original Independence Day, and we're going to have it be America, America, America. Action scenes were better than the aliens and I'm keeping it very American themed throughout. All right. So my question for Bobby is in the original, you have the iconic scene of the white house blowing up. Do you have any like iconic moment like that? Yeah. So I, I actually forgot to mention that in my, in my picture. I thought I did, but maybe I went too quickly over it. The aliens blow up King Arthur's castle. Okay. So that's the big part that then rallies everyone together after that. All right, and uh, Johnny, who is the Russell Case of your movie? Who is the Randy Quaid? That's like the crazy dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that would be like Mark Wahlberg is John Hancock. Okay, he'd be my he'd be my 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 uh, dude who sacrifices himself for the rest of the 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 team. All right, um, I guess I'm gonna let you guys talk shit I, about each other. I have a couple of casting issues with yours. For for one thing. I just I think Nicolas Cage as George Washington comes off as way too goofy to actually work, and I and also Lin Manuel Miranda, although he's great as as Hamilton in the play, he is the worst actor in that play. He's the weakest. It's a Michael part. Bay movie. I, I know, but you're still <laughs> like he he's fine. He's an okay actor, but his big talent is writing and singing and rapping, like at least rapping and stuff. That's his big thing. Um, and I, Michael Bay has, he just can't make a good movie right now. His, you need comedy in Independence Day. It can't just be America, America, aliens. I, I feel like this needs to have, especially with your cast, you need comedy and Michael Bay's comedy Nicholas is the Cage. worst. Nicholas it's the Cage. worst. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. You can have comedy, but do you want George Washington, the general to be the comedic one? Bill Pullman is yeah. not a comedic one in that movie. You, yeah, but this, he's not so that character. Michael Bay. 
directing this movie ruins it for you because yes, you might have a decent setting with, you know, 1776 and all that. But the whole point was Edgar Wright does things you don't expect. The obvious choice, if you do independence day is, Oh, we'll, we'll go what they just did in Hamilton and tell the story of our independence. But with mine, if you go back to Knights of the Round Table with Aliens, we have not seen we've seen Cowboys versus Aliens, but we have not seen Knights versus Aliens. And no one cared about Cowboys versus Aliens. The, the they did before with it came movie, out. The movie was bad. No, the movie sucked. So here's my thing. First of all, the movie's called Independence Day, and you don't you don't make it about Independence Day. So there's your first problem. It doesn't need to be. It's their independence. It from need, the it's aliens. called Independence Day. And secondly, Edgar Wright making this movie sounds just like guy Ritchie doing that shitty king arthur movie i know i know it's like different class of actor but or different class of director but like don't take that comedy and don't take like that style like the baby driver sync up everything with the music and then put it with knights because that sounds really terrible anything that's like we're gonna modernize knights like and we're gonna mix them with Aliens is a bad idea. But Edgar Wright's my, can do a lot of shit. I, I have another question. Bobby, you said they take the alien ships down. How do they take the alien ships oh, down? Oh, I had this. Actually, so it's calculations question. calculations by Levinson, and they basically set up cannons on different areas um, that are going to hit a certain spot, and they lure the aliens to that spot. So he Levinson finds the calculations of where they'd actually need to hit that ship to be able to take it down to the ground, because they know as knights they'd be able to, to fight this thing once it got down. So they set up, you know, uh, cannons and lure it. They might have, uh, you know, Case be the one that kind of is running cause, and uh, lures them into the spot where they're able to take it down. All right. Well, does anyone have anything major to add? Because I have my ruling. My, my main thing to add is that Bobby tried to shit on Michael Bay's movies and be like, well, he couldn't handle the comedy of the great Roland Emmerich film, Independence Day. Like, Roland Emmerich is some fucking good director. Like he's made the worst movies ever, and he happened to hit on one. But so it like, worked back in the nineties. Michael Bay's comedy still doesn't work. It just doesn't work now. All right. So here's what I have to say. I think Bobby's cast is the best cast, but I think the use of the rule. What was the rule? Oh, before 1900. So I'm gonna go to the pitch because it's. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. And my thing with the pitch is. It's Independence Day. It's about America. And so, like, I think it goes back to the Home Alone thing of, like, a movie about a girl teaming up with James Bond sounds interesting, but I don't know if that's Home Alone. And a movie about knights fighting aliens sounds better than the Founding Fathers fighting aliens. But also, I don't know if this is even Independence Day at that point. Or a movie set on July 4th, 1776, with the Founding Fathers fighting aliens. Sounds at least somewhat interesting. And not that Knights fighting aliens isn't interesting, but that sounds like Independence Day. And I feel like if I'm like, who rebooted Independence Day better? It's Johnny. So Johnny gets the point. But it was close. I was not uh, expecting us to have the same rule where you could throw that oh, on me. Good, good so. thing. Good, <laughs> good thing uh, me and Johnny didn't go against each other in this one because my pitch for what I would have done is basically a, identical <laughs> to what Johnny did. I would. I looked at that and I'm yeah. like, "Yep, I'm having the Founding Fathers fight aliens on July 4th, 1776." Yeah, because that I was the obvious choice. <clears throat> I was like, "Oh man, my pitch is going to be worse now because I'm going to follow Bobby." 
who's going to do the same thing. And then Bobby's, I was like, I was like, all right, I better win this because Bobby fucked up the one important thing of Independence mm-hmm. Day, putting mm-hmm. it on Independence Day. All right, yeah, and we have one comment. We have uh, Tristan says, Nick Cage is George Washington. Yeah. It's enough to make me watch this movie every so, single time. I tried to attack I, I did like that pitch. I just, I just, I almost did that 70, 1776, and I thought that was like, ah, that's kind of the obvious one. So it's, yeah. a, it's Independence Day. It's the most on the nose like movie ever. Yeah. That's what, that's like the only way you could get more on the on the nose is make it my movie. Yeah, that's why yeah, I kept it almost the same kind of movie, so that it's that that makes it the uh, reason. And another thing I would have added, you said uh, Nick Frost and uh, Simon Pegg are make a good team, but then you made them uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character and uh, Randy Quaid's character, who I don't think ever interact in Independence. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I said even if they're yeah. not together, that's why I was like yeah. they're just good in Edgar Wright movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, does anyone have any final thoughts? That was fun. Um, that was the pitch. That was fun. We we went along, but we yeah, I were think I had the, I, I think I let you guys fight a little because there were times where yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like 95 percent sure I had my ruling, and then I still let you talk for like an extra five minutes because I was entertained by what you had to say, but I probably should have just cut you off and been like, all right, this is yeah. Our our pitches were shorter, but our arguments were a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, for uh, sure. I think it's next week. It's uh, me and Bobby going against each other with Johnny as the judge. If I'm, yeah, yeah. If I'm not wrong. So, yeah. Um, just if you're watching this or you're listening to us, like, comment, subscribe, write a review, tweet at us, text us, be like, hey, you should have changed this or I like this or I didn't like that. But, and we'll, we'll try to keep making this podcast better. Uh, uh, and again, you know, just. Um... Please rate us five stars on any of the podcast apps, whatever yeah. major one you you listen to. Leave a review. Let us know what you what you like and what you'd fix. And uh, yeah, again, uh, like and subscribe on YouTube as well. All right, uh, I've been uh, Joe Fricky, the- Johnny Duke, yeah, Bobby Mitchell. All right, I'll uh, see you next week. Uh- see ya.